Whiskey and water together. Together makes good. There's this show on CIUT called The Master Plan uh, Hip Hop Show. And the whole show, they just talk about like, you, you know, you know these people. So it's like, DJ Romeo's in in the booth. Everybody know him. It's like who? DJ Roman Lettuce. Like, like who? <laughs> Lottie Dottie's here. Can't forget my boo Lottie Dottie. Like what? Everyone knows her. And then they'll play songs. And then he just hits like air horns and lasers throughout the whole thing. Like na 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 ow. Did you see the press conference yesterday with Alicia Keys and Jack White and Daft Punk and Kanye West and no Jay-Z and Madonna and and the Kanye shoes and Kanye's shoes and they, uh, Dead Mouse's big head yeah uh, they all got together on one stage and decided that they're going to take over streaming music really single-handedly wow and they want everybody to pay them like twenty-seven dollars a month how many? So like all the all the big names, yeah, but they don't own the rights to any of their old records. So I assume so. that you're stream you're going to be paying a subscription service in the expectation that Jack White might make another good record, yeah, yeah, or yeah. that or that Daft Punk might make another yeah. good record. Guys who are way past their due date. <laughs> wow, twenty seven. Don't got that. <laughs> don't got. The triumphant return. Is this just a Nolan to my yeah, house? Yeah, yeah. Is this a <laughs> continuous loop where like it never stops officially? It never stops. Like so, someone will come in, and yeah. you're always just. I'm always just, just here go. waiting for the next person. Oh wow! On the hot mic. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> it looks like a raccoon tail or something. It looks like a raccoon tail or some sort of hyena penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I like it. So every every six months or so, you'll come out of out of the darkness or the sunshine, yeah, and just appear behind me and call me Sweet Bottom or something. Yeah, and be like I know that voice. Or grab you, <laughs> rub up against you. Most recently, we were at the Long Winter, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you were like hiking up your shirt and showing off a giant fish hook scar across yeah, I, your abdomen. I think whenever I bump in anyone, something horribly wrong has happened. Or I've ruptured my testicles or something. <laughs> this time it was an age-old hernia that I fixed, finally. Oh, you were in pain yeah. for a long time? And no, then I wasn't in any pain. I just had a giant, like, bul- fleshy bulge sticking out of my groin that I'd have to push back. Jesus. Yeah. And I I was out with my landlord, Mike Lopez. Who's, who's Shout out, good, Parkdale. Good friend of mine. And uh, and we were at a bar, and I met the downstairs uh, neighbor in the basement, who is a nurse mm-hmm. for Western General. And I was like, oh, Western General. Oh, I was supposed to get a, a hernia. I went to go see something about this hernia I've had forever. And uh, when I did the checkup, I realized that it was actually four years ago that I was supposed to do it, and I just did. I haven't done anything. Like I have a big like list of goals that I was I'm supposed to do, and then I'll like think it was only a week ago, and it turns out it was like yeah, six years ago. Twenty <laughs> twelve. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. yeah. Like oh yeah, I like uh, I bought guns, germs, and steel 
<laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I gotta get cracking on that. And I like, I, I think I bought it when I was in your house. When we were which watching was the 2007. There's a movie. Yeah, there's a documentary <laughs> version. I gotta we get watching. on that. I gotta skip to that. <laughs> Bottom of the list. Yeah. So anyway, I'm talking to her, and she's like, "Yeah, you gotta, you gotta jump on that. You gotta get that fixed." Because she's, yeah. Because she she insinuated that if I left it. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility that I would be wearing the colostomy bag in like 20 years. And my biggest fear in life has always been that I have to just leak all the time and wear adult diapers and constantly shit myself. Carry a bag of human shit. Is that what, is that what uh, a colostomy bag is? Yeah. You're just always going. <laughs> and you can't wear shorts. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of shorts, but I like to have the option of shorts. And go into the water slides. Yeah, I don't want to like. Days. I don't really want to like plan ahead to wear anything, or you know, I'd like to just be able to do it. There's got to be I solutions for this sh- type of thing. Some my sort of shit wetsuit. bag falling everywhere. You wear a wetsuit with the shit bag on the inside of it. Mm-hmm. No one would be the wiser. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, you got to get this sorted out. Yeah. So as soon as a lot of more as soon as uh, colostomy bag showed up, I was like, fuck, I got to get this sorted. So I went and did it, and uh, I did it within like three weeks. So I went in. It was day surgery. Um, it's a lycroscope, lycroscope, the robots. They put a film camera in your belly button or mm-hmm. s- something. Mm-hmm. Can you pronounce it? Uh, you're you're li- an educated lycra- man. Lycroscopic. There you it? go. You got it. <laughs> So they cut, th- they do three incisions in your in your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I didn't know was they they blow up your organs with CO two, so you're you're like pregnant for a month. Oh, afterwards? <laughs> yeah. So I'm still I'm s- well unless I just got like really fat within like a week of just laying around eating mm-hmm. and watching Netflix. Could be a little yeah, column yeah, 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 yeah. A, little column B. Yeah, a little of that. But yeah, so I went in. They they held me down, not not literally, but they put my arms in a thing, and then the guy puts the some sort of restraint or no 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 the uh, the stuff that puts you to sleep. Oh, the anesthetic. Anesthetic gives you the anesthetic, <laughs> and then the surgeon comes. It's like the surgeon's here. He wants to talk to you, and he's like. He's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I just have your dose. And then everyone starts laughing. And then I'm like, passed out. And then I woke up to this woman like, time to get up. You got to get up. And just like, sh- I, and I think I said tables, like, kid. shut the fuck up, bitch. Or something like that. Something mm-hmm. mean because I was out of it. And I'm like, I got to pee. I have to pee. So it's like, sh- sh- she handed me a uh, like a milk jug. The cardboard milk jug? Yeah, it could have been cardboard. I thought it was blue. Mm-hmm. Oh, first I asked for like heavy sedatives like morphine, which was awesome. Yeah, morphine is yeah. good. And then they gave me that. And then I was trying to fit my, my dick into the thing. And I'm pissing on my own hand. <laughs> and then I finally get it in and piss in the thing. And then I just like put, held it up. And then I kind of put it over my hospital bed. And then I dropped it. I dropped piss everywhere. <laughs> And uh, I think it was like, I peed on the ground. And then I got moved to another room. And then I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing like uh, an old man outfit. Loose fitting clothing. 
And then I just I couldn't shit for five days because they needed to let the you know you can't you're bunged up from all the uh, activity uh, and CO two CO two yeah you're pregnant and you can't shit because you're on heavy pain meds right so I called the nurse saying like I can't do this like I'm just I'm full of gas and feces I need to vent and I need to get rid of this. So they give you these like orange pills and then those didn't do anything. I took like five of them. And then uh, they prescribed this stuff called milk of magnesium, mm. which you're not supposed to drink a lot of, but I was just swigging it. And then I, it, it all over the place. Nice. Madness. And, and I'm, was, you, were you celebrating? You were like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was the yeah. greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, no, I don't, I no longer have a giant like fleshy ball of intestine protruding out of my groin so that's good nice yeah it's was pretty it much sore? the best thing right now no never sore oh it's, it's kind of an aesthetic thing mm-hmm. and it's evidence that there's internal problems but not so much yeah your pain. your intestine breaks through your your muscle wall and <laughs> tries to escape your body yeah exactly Crazy. i had almost the exact same experience because mm-hmm. i had my appendix out in 2009 i had the same thing mine burst i had an hour to live mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. me too mm-hmm. me too and uh it was the same thing i went down to st mike's and i got uh, booked into the ward room and lucky for me it was around new year's eve and so the whole hospital cleared out like mm-hmm. apparently nobody wants to be in the hospital over the holidays mm-hmm. so i had an entire ward basically to myself and uh I was very impressed by the efficiency of the, the teams and stuff at the hospital. St. Mike's is good. They doped us up on uh, lots of morphine. I was having good uh, psychedelic visions of waterfalls of vaginas mm-hmm. pouring down over my body. Um, there was a very nice British anesthesiologist mm-hmm. that got right up in my face, and she was she talked like Mary Poppins. You sure she was just putting on a fake accent? <laughs> or it was part of the hallucination? It may have been both. It could have just been, there's a lot of homeless guys who go to St. Mike's. It could have been like an escaped client. She was very gentle, and she mm-hmm. asked me how much alcohol I consume in a month. How much? And I was like, barely any. Yeah. I mean, maybe half a pint? And she thought that that was ridiculous. And she was like, oh, <laughs> I'll say one pint. And then um, when I got into the operating theater, mm-hmm. there was a well-oiled team that was really proactive like literally literally well-oiled no 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 okay, okay. they just seemed like uh they were a volleyball squad or something yeah. and that they must hustle bodies in and out of that yeah, place yeah, yeah. like every 45 minutes that's how you get that's how you get jacked they were determined to beat their time and this was going to be the best goddamn mm-hmm, uh, appendix removal that they had done and they were uh i don't know they all knew their roles and they were scrubbing up quick and uh, they had me they wanted to, to get me up on the big operating table but I was expecting that somebody would carry me. Right. No, they were just like, yeah, just hop up on, yeah. on here in your fucking gown with like your ass hanging out and stuff. Yeah. And uh, they were like, you got to pee first? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, uh, maybe, maybe not. And they're like, well, you should go if you have to, because if you uh, do piss during the operation, then we're going to have to put a catheter in you. Ooh. And then, which is really bad. That's what you got. A ca- I didn't get a catheter at this last surgery, but mm-hmm. the one before. And it felt like your soul getting removed from you or something. When they pull it out, it hurts. Yeah. And they say it, it doesn't hurt, but it does mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. 
So then I like woke up after the surgery, which was crazy because I had never actually lost consciousness before. Uh-huh. But it's literally they have you do the countdown where they say like, yeah. all right, count backwards from five. And you're like five, four. And then your eyes woke up again and you're yeah. like, oh, where am I? And you're in a weird room. This yeah. is a new recovery thing. Everything's mm-hmm. done. You're fine. Blah, blah, blah. The, the head surgeon was quite impressed at the mess that was in there. You were almost dead. <laughs> I remember it being the worst pain on earth. Like you can't stand lit. Like you're basically your a bomb has gone gone off in your stomach and it's leaking acid everywhere. Mm-hmm. But you sound you're saying like it wasn't that it's big hard to a deal. Expl- I guess I have a high pain tolerance. Yeah, yeah. Because it was definitely like nothing I'd ever had before. Mm-hmm. But I thought I had food poisoning. Like I was mm-hmm. just sitting on the floor in my bathroom while th- the room was spinning around me mm-hmm. and I was just throwing up over and over again mm-hmm. and holding onto my side. And I was just trying to meditate through it. I'm like, it'll yeah. pass, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to keep drinking water. Uh, it went on for like a day. And then my two roommates at the time, Todd and Ilya, they were like, uh, hey, Jesse, we're going off to work. Um, we'll see you in eight hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started shaking and I was like, uh, bros? Yeah. I, I think... Uh, this is serious I think shit. I'm dying. Yeah, this isn't. <laughs> can you can you take me to the hospital instead, yeah. or just drop me off in the emergency room and then you can go to, to work or whatever? Because mm-hmm. I think I'm dying, and I didn't have a cell phone at the time, so if I was dying, I wouldn't be able to call for an ambulance or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they uh, propped me up on their shoulders and took me down to a cab, and as soon as I hit the outside fresh air. I projectile vomited like all this Mm -hmm. green bile all over the place. And uh, I got down to the the hospital and they they do that thing where they check your blood pressure and stuff. And the nurse asks you how much pain you are in. And she asks you to point out which of the happy faces faces. that best describe your anguish. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of sat there staring like pale faced and clammy like, I, 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 I. I, 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 <laughs> I guess, but you're kind of modest, right? Like mm. Canadian modesty doesn't want you to pick number 10. Right. Cause I can imagine something worse. Like I didn't have a severed limb. Mm-hmm. I think I just kind of palmed it. Like palmed the card. <laughs> All that. Or it knocked it out of their hand. <laughs> More morphine, please. <laughs> yeah. Round two. Over yeah. here. Another one. Oh man, so good. Fill her up. So good. And then uh, the 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 worst part of it was they had this drain that they set up on the side of you. It's uh-huh. like a hose coming out of your abdomen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a balloon on it. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to suck out the pus from whatever uh, robot surgery that they were doing. And after about two days in the ward, the nurse comes around. She's like, all right, you got to go home. Um, we can leave the drain in you and you can come back or I can pull it out now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to have this you thing hanging out of my you. body. No. Uh, and she's, oh, I think she you was insinuating that like in a few days I could pull it out. Mm. Okay. And so I wasn't comfortable doing that. So I said, you know, let it rip. Yeah. And she's like, okay, this is really going to hurt. So brace yourself. And she cuts the stitch and then she yanks this like seven inch piece of plastic out of my belly. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Rrr! 
and then just clicking the more feed button yeah. over and over again. Then I got to bed. I got time. to. I got to click it myself. Nice. And I did about five in a row, and they all flipped out and grabbed it on my hands. <laughs> I remember when it happened to me, and I was in the hospital. Um, I was I was terrified of needles. Like I still kind of am, and I and I tense up. But when you're really scared, and they're trying to put the IV in. So my, my vein died, I guess, that they had. Shriveled up. Yeah, in like the th second day of recovery. So I'm just like, I find out they're going to have to put it in. And I'm just, I'm, you know, waiting for this to happen. And the pain that in my head is going to be the worst thing in the world. And they keep stabbing my vein and I keep freaking out and it keeps moving. So I had, a, they're just kept jabbing me in the hand and I was like 12 or 13. I'm just like screaming my head off. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it went on for like two hours. No, that embellishing there. Maybe half an hour until my hands just like this bloody like lump until they finally found one. And then I was in like a children's hospital and I guess like a girl had some like, she'd been burned or something. Jesus. So as though they're overnight listening to like a, a little girl screaming from like burn wounds. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty fucked. I mean, nowadays I'd love to just like lay in a hospital. <laughs> but I remember then I wanted to leave and like walk. But that, that week of recovery was the best week of my life in like recent maybe two years it, it took i me, did i did nothing i got to flashbacks of being a baby yeah it was great you know you're in a crib you mm -hmm. have people attending to you bringing you meals and stuff mm -hmm. um i had a bad reaction to my any my antibiotics that they gave me yeah. when i left and so i had to go back to the hospital did you get so uh hot dog fingers <laughs> No, I it was just dizzy, basically. Nerf and tongue? They Apparently, like, that is a very common side effect mm -hmm. to the meds, but it's also a side effect of having um, an infection in your surgery area, and so mm -hmm. they want to make sure that they don't tell you that that's a side effect, mm -hmm. and then you have to come back. So anyways, I went back after the reaction to the meds, and I stayed in the ward room post-holidays when it completely filled up with other surgical patients all with gastrointestinal problems. Mm -hmm. So my uh, cushy stay at Hotel Western General mm -hmm. turned into basically like a wardroom completely covered in human shit. Oh, great. The bathroom was covered in human shit. Yeah. There was people with colostomy bags. There was some sort of insane Japanese... <laughs> rock star yeah. guy was it like in steve mcqueen's hunger when they're just doing this <laughs> the sphere of shit on the mirror and walls it was pretty much it was pretty Not much like just that. like that except i was just the observer right and i was holding in my my poop i did not want to yeah. use that fucking bathroom i couldn't yeah, handle yeah, yeah. it i'm very poo shy yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 especially about public places mm -hmm. so that's why starbucks me, is so good they clean it yeah and they it's a, it has a lock mm-hmm mm-hmm I do a lot of reading in there. <laughs> a lot of meditation. I was going to I was going to do like a blog once about like the best back cuz before I didn't do anything yeah. like ever. Like I think I lived with you during that period and I just walk around the streets of Toronto and I'd go see like movies at the Rainbow and then just kind of like hang out and yeah, I just I'd always be out cuz I didn't want to go home for some reason. So I'd always 
find the best bathrooms in Toronto. So I was going to make a blog That's of like a good the idea. top 10. Uh-huh. And I think my number two, the one where I always hung out, was the uh, the Sears and Eaton Center that isn't there anymore in the family <laughs> family washroom. Because it was huge. It was like a hotel in there. Yeah. And they got and the just, changing table just for spread the baby. Out. I slept on that. <laughs> I do my, my ironing. My taxes. <laughs> my taxes. It's the whole office my, set my, up here. My, yeah, my, my fake job interviews. <laughs> you play both parts. You, look, you looking for a job, Nolan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just sign right here. Just working on those resumes. <laughs> Cover letters. Yeah. Those were the days. So you would just go to the movies and stuff by yourself and just yeah. pass the time? And sometimes walk out of them because I'd go like, what the fuck am I doing? I think I've, I think it was more like anxiety because mm-hmm. I knew deep down I needed to do something right, to make money rather than just like doing a couple busboy shifts yeah, or bar backing, mm-hmm. which is where I think I got that hernia from. From carrying beer. Carrying cases. beer. It might actually been, you know, the Budos band. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they did a show at uh, the Polish Combatants Hall, and uh, I was doing the door, I think, for I think his name was Eric Warner. He was like a booker, and I just I got I got very drunk on that Tyski Tyski beer. It's like really big. Okay. I just got shit faced. And then I think I did some sort of drug, like acid or something, maybe like a very low dose, but just thought I was like, I was the strongest guy in the world. And I think I tried to take a full speaker cabinet down by myself. And I think that's when it happened. Pretty sure. Who were you trying to Pretty impress? Sure. Myself. <laughs> yeah. You were trying to prove that you were a real Hercules. <laughs> I don't know. Did the doctors have any um, questions about how you had injured it? That would probably be a good story to pass on to them. Yeah, I think I mentioned that. Yeah. Well, I was on acid at the time. Yeah. I decided to move an entire speaker system by myself. Well, yeah, I've only done acid twice. Mm-hmm. And both times I thought I was really strong on it <laughs> and able to lift many things. I always thought the time that I did acid, everything was very goopy. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of understand why you would think it didn't have a lot of mass. Mm-hmm. Everything feels like it's made out of jello. Mm-hmm. That was my kind. Of I didn't know it went for a full day. Oh, so fuck. so I yeah, I took it hours. I took it at seven a.m. and I had to go see my my friends like a, a pretty well known HIV uh, AIDS activist, mm-hmm. and she's like the global chair of women living with HIV and AIDS, and she was doing a film presentation. Um of this documentary that had been done. Yeah. So I had to go see that. Yeah. I had to work after that and not a good time to do it. And I went to both of those things. <laughs> and you dealt. No. You no, no, no. Be. I think I th- yeah, I think I I kind of came out of that a little differently. Yeah. I remember I couldn't see colors in the morning. Shit. Everything mm. was black and white? Yeah. Oh, it was also St. Patrick's Day too, and I worked at <laughs> A very popular bar that is two floors 
with St. Patrick's Day decorations everywhere. I can't imagine anything more terrifying. It was the worst thing of all time. Bros in mm-hmm. Irish regalia mm-hmm. yeah, melting the, together. The presentation was at George Brown College, and they showed the movie, and then one of the women, this isn't funny, I shouldn't have laughed at that, but one of the women in that movie had passed away. So they just kind of like kept her chair empty. Jesus. And I'm just like freaking out. Yeah. And I had to go to work. And they're doing the Q&A, and I, like, very, like, awkwardly stood up and I think waved at my friend who knew, like, her yeah. f- her friend told her right. that I was this way. And I remember just kind of, like, going, like, everyone's looking at me. And I remember, like, I opened the door and it was, like, seemed way louder. And then I was just like, what the fuck? Was- what? Yeah, and then... Uh, as soon as I get to work, my boss started talking to me, and it was just like, like it was just not nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, and his eyes were popping out of his skull, and I was just trying to like focus on and just going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a bad, not a good time. I haven't done it since, or will never do it again. That's I, a, I don't know about that. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, my dad did did a hit of acid when my brother was born crazy mm-hmm. crazy or he just done it and he got the call and had to go was that but i think biblical? he said it was amazing do you think that that was amazing that would be incredible yeah he didn't uh, he didn't really go into like too much detail about it but that happened uh, hey. <laughs> randy randy yeah. himself yeah man's a maniac write a song uh, about it he's a wild man so what happened after I left the place we used to live? There was a mini civil war kind okay. of broke out um, because Rocio took over your room. Who's that? She was a Jessica, J-Trey's friend. And Remember when I dropped Jessica on her head and then I got a talk <laughs> from all you guys? I got an intervention. Was that an, were you also, you were on mushrooms that time, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Jesus Christ. There's a memory. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was you were on mushrooms and we're hanging out at Sarah Locke's house. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the idea was to pick Jessica up and kind of give her a little ride around the, the lawn or something. Yeah. I remember uh, there was a phase where I like to pick people up upon the shoulder. I'm done with that. That's how you get hernias. And, uh, I guess her arms were kind of wrapped around your abdomen Mm -hmm. and she was hanging upside down on your back. And then it was kind of like, down she goes yeah face first right onto the cement yeah and i thought she had broken her neck or something. i thought she like, was dead i was i was uh very very concerned mm-hmm. and i think what was frustrating about it was it was like a number of events like that in a row oh yeah where it was it was kind of like this uh, guy's a complete fucking idiot <laughs> we gotta control. get rid of him <laughs> you, you almost expect if, if a car ever crashes through the front of the house, yeah. Yeah. Nolan's going to come out the door and be like, what just happened? <laughs> Who fucked up our house? <laughs> I'm going to bed, guys. Rent's on the table. <laughs> My but air she mattress. Fine. She didn't get knocked out or anything. Yeah, no, it's funny because skull. I I remember feeling so bad about that. And I look back because I've become sort of the lease owner of my apartment and had just like a revolving door of of Maniacs. of similar clowns no one as bad as me i was like i think i was the worst 
Oh no, you're not the worst. No, I've, I've known worse. You know worse. I've known worse, and the thing about it is, like, I always have a, I always have a great time with the worst. Yeah, there's something about like Charles Bukowski <laughs> used to talk about. He'd lament about gentrification in Hollywood mm-hmm. because um, West Hollywood or East Hollywood or whatever the bad part is. Mm-hmm. He would talk about how the drunks and the strippers and the hookers and the pimps and the the gangsters they give a place character mm-hmm. and they're people who are in touch with like an older headspace an older like mm-hmm. way that most humans used to live mm-hmm. and it's disappearing yeah and you're, you, mean you like, run into a lot of people that are just like sedated yeah. you know they don't do anything they don't yeah. have any emotion they anymore. don't have any fun no fun. They, they just talk about shit they can't do or can't yeah eat. or just stuff they watched on television yeah. virtual things or that just, didn't actually happen to yeah them. And or so, like clickbait they read on Facebook about. Did you see Kanye? Did you see Kanye's wife's butt? Did you yeah. see? It is humongous. <laughs> Homunculus. Yeah, it's a that's a flesh apple. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I always I it it was always really neat to have roommates that would move in who actually had lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stories to tell. <laughs> Um, I just, I had a, my last room was just someone who'd like yelled everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for instance, for instance, breakfast time, I was just like a, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> like that was her like, <laughs> was she deaf? No, it's just insanely loud and out of her mind. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Nolan! Yeah, I won't, I won't get into it. Um, yeah okay so after after i left why did i leave who knows <laughs> you wanted I every so it. often you got sick of unterrible mm-hmm. and you wanted it was the to winter fuck i couldn't handle that vancouver shit. and then i go well this place is awful <laughs> and there would be maybe two weeks notice where you'd be like i'm out just like nolan what happened you're i like, did it once though right job fired girl oh yeah, yeah, yeah left girl, gone money gone I'm out. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah, the airport, fuckers. Yeah, many firings. And then, you know, six months would go by, and we would do complete radio silence. Yeah. And then he'd roll back into town. Yeah. And he'd be like, this place fucking <laughs> stinks. <laughs> you get off the plane, and you realize the entire <laughs> province smells like sewage. It's, it's, it's very brown. <laughs> there's, a, there's a malaise about it. I've just now thrown myself into it. I'm now just around it all the time and love it. Yeah. I can't get enough. We all become mm-hmm. part of the gray scenery. Mm-hmm. You get acclimatized to it. So wait, what was this? What, you said civil war broke out? Yeah, civil war broke Amongst out. Amongst people so, I don't know? Uh, Jessica mm-hmm. had a roommate. Was Jessica on this yet? Uh, my girlfriend, Jessica? Or no. Jessica, Johnson, mm-hmm. Jessica Johnston was mm-hmm. on an episode, yeah. Um, she, uh, she rented the room out to one of her friends that she worked at as a server with. Okay. And, uh, she was a a really nice girl, but she was part of that night owl circuit that you guys were uh, also a part of, um, where you bring back four shit bags (laughs) and then uh, you just like, and then I just leave them. I just left them there. Remember that? (laughs) I'm going to bed. (laughs) 
and then you were kind of woke up it was like nine and there's uh-huh. just like these shitheads doing like coke or something <laughs> i don't know if i and i think you kind of tried to do a cover like a hey hey guys like coffee <laughs> oh, you know, no, that was, they weren't shitbags. No? It was I your was one real tall friend the, with the dark hair, the hairy guy. The one with the face. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> you had a uh, crow magnon guy. You had a crew of your brother, um, that, this, this tar, this kind of tall, dark friend of yours, thin guy, um, my, maybe one other my person. two cousins? Maybe. Yeah. My cousin Matt, my cousin John. Okay, mm-hmm. that was your crew. I think that I woke up one time and they were hanging out and you had gone to bed. Ah. But I wasn't scared of them. I was just like, oh, you're, you're no... No, I went to like a Halloween party and was out yes. of it and then brought yes. okay, just so three you, That was part of the Civil over. War. That was after you left. Okay, okay. So Jessica um, rents the room out to Rocio and things were going pretty good she had a really cute um siamese cat named sanchez Mm -hmm. that was a a chocolate brown those are the ones without uh fur um no it had fur (laughs) it had fur it wasn't one of the bald siamese cats it was it was a beautiful chocolate brown Siamese. the sacks of flesh and uh she she got along with us pretty well she was a a pretty cool chick but Mm -hmm. she had the crazy that Mm -hmm. would come out every Mm -hmm. so often and um, things got more and more territorial as time went by. Okay. Where there'd be subtle things like, uh, hey, uh, Jesse Don't and touch Todd, my skin lamp. Why don't, uh, why don't you guys like move all your art stuff onto your side of the apartment? Oh, okay, okay. Because we want to fix this thing up a little bit. Make it a bit nicer. Yeah, Turn you gotta, it into you gotta a You got to cut lounge. that shit down right away. And then, uh, you know, there started to be like way more dudes just kind of oh, coming yeah, home, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And what's weird is like it's a double standard or whatever, but for for some reason when you're living with guys mm-hmm. and they bring home ladies in the mm-hmm. house, it's always nice to have ladies around. Even yeah, if you're they're, not sleeping with them. Yeah. Um sure. you like the pheromones in the house. Uh it's it, it makes you feel better to have like attractive mm-hmm. people around. Mm-hmm. When your girl um roommates start bringing home dudes, yeah. it activates this caveman Impulse yeah, yeah, yeah. Because suddenly you, you go I to the gotta bathroom, get this guy out of here. and there's this like Cro-Magnon man, mm-hmm. this Neanderthal, this mm-hmm. hairy beast, like yeah. coming out and drinking your milk and stuff, and yeah, yeah, yeah. wearing your towel around his junk and being like, "Hey, bro." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, if it was like uh, being familiar, chimpanzees, mm-hmm. you'd like eat them. Yeah, right. You just <laughs> tear his hands off, yeah. tear his genitals eat off, eat them to like <laughs> teach his tribe a lesson. Don't you don't come here. A warning, or you eat his baby if he had mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So that started happening, and then it escalated towards um, this Halloween party that we had, mm-hmm. and we used to have the greatest parties because yeah, and very uh, very intric- intricate, creative costumes. I remember creative costumes, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of art kids, <clears throat> mm-hmm. a lot of uh, good-natured people from a lot of different friend groups getting together, making new relationships, yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, and that was all cool, but because Rocio knew like so many people from the night circuit, yeah. there was some pretty There's hard dudes are... that, that oh, showed okay, up. Okay, okay. So like the bounce, the bouncing staff, the comes. bouncing staff and the leather jackets and stuff and people it's not just annoying. Hanging out on the porch and like, you know, dealing <laughs> yeah. people Coke and oh, okay, uh, okay. kind of, uh, you know, like 
I have I have some Joker friends. Yeah. I have some some meatballs that yeah. I know from college. Sure. And you know, my friend Eric would be fucking around with his buddies completely harmlessly, yeah. right? Like they would be um, pretending to close one another's heads in the the, the door of the of the bathroom, right? Right. right. You know, and they're not going to hurt each other. They're mm-hmm. they're very mm-hmm. easygoing people, mm-hmm. um, just fucking around. But when you see the um, people from outside, if you've got like more harder edge people interacting with that, they yeah. can start doing things like really uh, intervening in situations yeah, 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 like yeah. that and starting shit where there doesn't need to be yeah problems. So yeah. they would they'd be like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing with that guy and stuff?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing they're, people they just want to join in or. I I feel like they were trying to to help out because they thought right. that somebody was being exploited, but right. they didn't realize that everybody at the party are, are just our kids. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's no alphas uh-huh. in in the thing. So that kind of went on, and uh, around four o'clock in the morning, uh, me and Todd and some of the other like core household people people who lived there mm-hmm. we decided we wanted to pack it in and go to bed mm-hmm. and so we took our girlfriends into our rooms and we hunkered down mm-hmm. and about an hour later after the lights were off the party was still going um seven or eight mexican dudes yeah. crashed through my bedroom door literally like smash the glass step on the bed step oh, over shit. my girlfriend okay. you sure mexican hide in the closet hide in the shadows yeah and i'm you know i'm barely awake and i'm concerned right like is this a gang rape or something or are they gonna mm-hmm. rob me what the fuck is going on and then they're just like uh, speaking spanish to one another in the darkness mm-hmm. and trying to you know policeta or something like yeah. that and uh i guess that the cops had shown up and they didn't want to be frisked or deal with the police. So they were going to ride it out mm-hmm. in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really having any of that just because I was feeling protective of, mm-hmm. you know, the naked woman beside me right. <laughs> in my bed. So um, I was like, okay, whatever you guys want to do is fine, but you can't stay in here. Just move it along. Yeah. And vamos. I don't have any clothes on. There's like four dudes. They're all bigger than me. Yeah. And you're trying to be a f- assertive and, and get them out, but you don't want to like shove them or anything because you don't want them, you get your ass kicked or whatever. Yeah. Um, they eventually uh, left the room as it became obvious that the cops were just there to tell us to turn the music down. Mm-hmm. Um, after they left the room, I kind of like put a broomstick through the, the handles of my door because uh, it was like kind of one of those gazebo style mm-hmm. doors that opened in the center. And uh, I kind of walked out through what had become the aftermath of the party, mm-hmm. which was basically um, the whole night crew from Rocio's bar, just like hanging out on the carpet among uh, broken beer bottles, uh, vomit, uh, puddles of, of urine in yeah. the corners of the rooms. Just everywhere, people. Yeah, and uh, I, I kind of went up to Rocio and I'm like, you know, uh, it, it's time to, it's time to shut the party down. You know, yeah. it's, it's been enough. It's like 5:30 in the morning. Guys, blah, blah, guys blah. on my bed. Guys, that's it. Coming into the thing. Yeah, it's, it's just like it's enough, enough already. Yeah, and she was like not hearing it. Yeah, so I decided to go to the washroom before I continued the, uh, the thing. 
mm-hmm. and Todd is is there in the mm-hmm. hallway, mm-hmm. and Todd has his uh, his arms crossed and he's mm-hmm. he's looking tense, scowling. And I was I was saying, what's going on, man? He's like, we got to figure out a way to get these people out of here. He's like, well, what's going on? Yeah. He's like, well, it looks like the toilet must have broken 45, 50 minutes ago, and rather than acknowledging that the toilet is broken and stop mm-hmm. using it people have just been letting everything overflow onto the floor Ooh. and uh so i came back to Rocio. i was like okay okay uh it's over it's over everybody out uh mm-hmm. you know broken spanish shut down and Rocio got pissed because yeah. i guess like she was we were all kind of drunk and stuff but she took it as a I said to her, it's "Listen, like Rocio, the party is over. There, there, yeah. the toilet's overflowing. People are pissing on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little crazy." And she—that was what she took as the biggest slight. She's like, "You're insinuating that my friends would piss on the floor <laughs> like animals? <laughs> Fuck you!" And she went into this tirade. Mm-hmm. She started smashing bottles and blah blah blah, oh, wow. stirring things up. And me and Todd were just like outnumbered. Yeah, yeah. Outnumbered. We're like, okay. It's fuck, it's fuck. her in your face with a bunch of well, her crew dudes right. behind her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so we rolled out, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like made eye contact, and yeah. we're like, this is over. Yeah, this is You're over done. after tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and we went to bed because she didn't. She didn't. She wasn't on the lease at all. It's no. you guys are on the lease. So yeah, we were on the lease. So and you you have zero rights in Ontario if you're like renting a room mm-hmm. like you you're fucked you're yeah. done yeah you can throw them out mm-hmm. whenever you want it's true even if they look at you weird <laughs> and they they can go to a legal clinic but nothing's gonna happen to you and that is the that is the the balance of of um of running a place like that right yeah. because if you're not careful mm-hmm. over time people can move enough of their friends in yeah. that they get the voting block <laughs> exactly and suddenly and you're fucked they start uh writing the agenda so anyways the next morning um i was trying to make amends mm-hmm. i wanted to not have any more fucking awkwardness in the house mm-hmm. didn't want any silent treatments so i said you know i went to uh, my girlfriend i said you know what we're gonna do we're gonna get up we're gonna clean up the entire house mm-hmm. i'm off the floor mm-hmm. uh those bitches stains and uh, whoever was with them uh, or might be staying, uh, sleeping in, whatever. Let them sleep in. We'll clean up the whole thing. And then uh, we'll uh, forget it ever happened. Uh-huh. Move on from there. I understand that like Todd and I are going to have an understanding that we know that the demerit points have been applied. Mm-hmm. And we'll remember this going forward. Yeah. Like, it won't be repeated. Um. I don't think Todd and Rocio ever spoke again, mm-hmm. uh, even though we continued living there for another three months or so. Oh, that's fun. Uh, there was a barrier that kind of went up in the middle of the house where Todd and I kind of stayed on our side and uh, Jessica and Rocio stayed on the mm-hmm. other. And we lamented mm-hmm. the great J. Trey Johnston. We said, she's gone to the dark side. Mm. We've lost her. She switched over. Darth Vader. Um, and we kind of made plans for our exodus. Um, not because like, you know, you're right in thinking like the, the draconian thing would be like eviction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it was more like because the, it was the last straw of like destruction in that place. Like yeah. just around that time, 
um, a major like sewer line broke in the basement and the basement was like completely full of human sewage. <laughs> we knew that it was, it was time to go. And so we made our plans to leave and we were like, you know what? You mm-hmm. girls uh, could take over the thing and, and you were, uh, you, gods, be bygods. And you split after that. We split and me and Todd got more awesome house in fucking Koreatown. Mm-hmm. Holding it down. I just had a I just had a, f- a flashback where I m- remembered something, which is rare, because <laughs> that rarely happens to me. Hark, a memory. Yeah, yeah. I mostly just uh, what. what? Um, so there was a guy who lived in the basement who was our neighbor in that house. Rock and Rory. Uh, no, his, Chris. <laughs> his name was Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he living there at that time? Uh. Yes. So Chris gave me a job, which will lead to like a really great story. But I remember Chris had this story where he was so excited because he found out Daft Punk were going to play in <laughs> Glasgow or something. Yeah. But he'd never been to Europe. He'd like never been anywhere. So he saves all his money, buys the ticket, and he and his girlfriend go to Glasgow to see Daft Punk. And they like go to the 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 gig and they've canceled it. <laughs> And he just like he said he just started crying and he was still like fucked up over it. Oh, that's so sad. It's really sad, but kind of amazing. <laughs> so that guy, I was you know in between jobs. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that that happens in my life a lot. Um, I'm saying I need a job. To whoever whoever's listening, whoever I'm yelling it at. So he goes, oh, I uh, you know I've. I can get you a job. I, uh, it's, uh, it's a prop company for for films. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I remember working in the film biz. Like, I, don't know, I was an extra in Airbud. Nice. <laughs> and the X Files. I was like, I yeah, what, f- I'm, I'm in I'm things. in the biz. <laughs> like kind of that thing. So I go, and it's like this warehouse, and uh, there's like a crystal meth head. <laughs> who drives a van and he's like the only other staff person he's like dating her like they met at this sad warehouse and it's like way the fuck in mississauga somewhere like under a bridge <laughs> and your job was you like clean the shit that they bring back from a set ah and then you will then load it onto the truck again and it's like nine hours and what i had to do was vacuum and spot clean. And remember, this was during, like, I'm drinking every night days. <laughs> so <laughs> hung over. I had to be up at, like, 6. Yeah. I just got into, like, waking up at 9, like, uh, two months ago. Yeah. Like, where that's the thing I can do. <laughs> so we're like, so I had to just clean these fucking pieces of carpet. So because they're putting these pieces of carpet at, uh, where do the Leafs play? Air Canada Center? Yes. Air Canada Center, because they're filming The Love Guru with Mike Myers, <laughs> which is I, the worst movie ever made. I don't know, I've never seen it. It's, it's down there. So anyway, tomatoes. my life's shit. Yeah. Miserable. The worst. You'd think that you would be cleaning interesting props. Oh, it's yeah, the yeah, chandelier yeah. from The Phantom of the Opera. That'd oh, be it's cool. The, it's Freddy Krueger's glove. Instead, it's the mats. Yeah, you're just mats for the shittiest movie ever. <laughs> And you just go like, wow, I'm working, yeah, I'm working a terrible job for something that doesn't exist. And it's a stupid thing that doesn't exist, right? Yes. Like, it's like, I guess it's art, film, 
It's something. It's an industrial comedy so, and, show. And I guess it, uh, you know, like it pays a lot of people. It's good for the city. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling. But anyway. Yeah. So I go with my friend at that time. Mm-hmm. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> that bridge, real burn. Dead to me. Real, yeah. There's a couple. <laughs> but um, he, he, he's like older. He's like a Gen X guy. Yeah. Uh, been around Toronto's like music scene, I guess forever. Um, I go to Sweaty Betty's when so Sweaty Betty's is a bar in Toronto that like it used to have the coolest patio because it was this giant like open concept thing. Now it's like a fucking log cabin or some shit. It just sucks. And it was the only bar like that at that time in that neighborhood, which was actually like cool. So we go there all the time. So I'm with him, and I'm just like, my life fucking sucks, man. I'm like. I'm vacuuming fucking carpets for this piece of shit Mike Myers movie, The Love Guru. Like, what what the fuck is this? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, Mike Myers. Fuck, man. Oh, shit. I remember that guy from the old days. He's like, he's this real, like, fucking nerdy guy. And we were in, like, this cool band. You know, we get all the chicks and stuff. We go to all the hot parties. And, you know, we'd be at the bar. And then we'd be like, oh, this fucking nerdy guy's here again. We tell him to get in, like the last cab, and then we jump in the cab and like lose him, and shit like that. And it was just so funny because I'm like watching TV, and Saturday Night Live comes on, and I'm like, "Holy fuck, that's the guy!" What? That was Mike Myers. And I'm like, "Wow, that's." I was like, "Do you guys? So are you, are you still friends after that?" He's like, "Oh yeah, man. Like I." Whenever Mike's in Toronto, I say hi to him. We talk. Whenever I'm in New York, I like I bump into him. As soon as he says that, Mike Myers walks in to the patio. No shit. Everyone's going like, hey, Wayne. And Mike's walking. And the guy goes, hey, Mike. And Mike Myers looks at him and just like blank look. Like never seen this guy in his life. And he goes, okay. And he just kind of like walks over and sits with his friends. Yeah. And this guy's face is just like bloodshot. And he's like, guess he doesn't remember me, man. Like, uh, guess people change. <laughs> like that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah. really? I don't think you've ever met this guy in your life. Is, that was definitely the vibe you got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like a... But he'd I, said he'd like seen him like, you know, a year prior to this right. happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. That does sound delusional. Mm-hmm. Because there is people like uh, I can ima- I can only imagine what it must be like to be celebrities because mm-hmm. they meet a hundred times as many people in a year that regular people do. Yeah, and even from my own life, mm-hmm. there is like seventy five percent of people that I'm friends with on Facebook mm-hmm. that I don't really even recognize if I saw no. them in person. But th- but I you think know? that's different. I think like. If you hang out with somebody. This is someone who probably, like, would have hurt your feelings, right? Right. Because they invite you to something, then ditch you. And this, you, the way you told it was, like, this happened all the time. Right. So I think you'd remember that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just tilt that up at sure. a little more of an angle. A little bit more. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then there's that weird... Uh, there was definitely people in college or mm-hmm. people in high school. You know how every so often you'll get into a relationship where... There's somebody who's like a class clown mm-hmm. or somebody who's the star athlete or whatever, and everybody knows them much better than they know 
the people that are right are yeah yeah, yeah of course where you can have like a vicarious friendship like maybe he was on the outer circle of a friendship where mm. he had never actually had a conversation with mike myers it's but just like that he was there yeah he was there in the background and mike myers didn't know it right um because there's been a couple of times in my life where somebody has, has told me a thing about high school or whatever. It's like, what? Uh, when? Uh, wait, did you? Uh, I don't even. How did you know that person? And then you look at the photos. You're like, oh, my God, they're there. But for me, like bullshitting <clears throat> and lying is so hard yeah. when it's about myself. Right. Um, but like I know people and they're usually really successful and they just live in this like complete, you know, fantasy land of of their life and how they see it. Right. And I don't know if they like actually believe it or they're just so good at bullshitting. Mm. And or I think project. you kind of have to have to do that to be successful, right? That's like hustling, I guess. They they become they try to become the people that they pretend to be. Yeah, like I in art, right? If you're yeah. fake it you, you could be it. a successful artist mm -hmm. and say you're an artist, but you don't do shit. You've yeah. never done anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's about and that's why I was scared about this because I don't do anything. Right. But I was like, I bet I. What if I, if I was one of those guys, I could fake like I, I'm good at things. Well, I mean, where does anybody start though? Like, if you look at any stand-up comic, yeah, that's worth anything. Mm -hmm. uh, they just started doing it, and yeah. you eventually figure out a way to either get a following or to get paid to go in front of bigger audiences, and then right. it becomes real. Yeah. So I think that the thing that's the most common trait among all artists, if yeah. they're honest, is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Everybody goes through that where they go, they think that there's, they go from being like totally insecure about being underqualified and a fraud. Yeah. And then even when money and attention comes, it doesn't go away. They think that there's some, some sort of mistake has been made and at any day someone's going to call up and go... We just read the article in Rolling Stone, right? And they've exposed you as as being a fraud, and that you have no talent, and yada yada yada, and you're finished. Mm -hmm. Everybody has that fear that does creative stuff. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't really pay too much attention to it. Mm -hmm. um, you almost need that that uh, that tendency among like indie artists to fake it till you make it is almost like a a reflex against that imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. You need to have a little bit of that posturing and just to get the work out. Yeah. You know, because otherwise you'll just, you'll just, um, you'll get, there's already so much resistance in everybody to mm -hmm. not do stuff. Yeah. It's hard to sit down and write something. It's hard to sit down and make a picture or any of that kind of self-expression. And it's doubly hard to do it in public. Yeah. You know, to make the thing and then to say, like, here, I made this. What and, this and a big fear is you have to just keep doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, you have to you have to then do things. You have to be places. Yeah. Which is not Obligations. good. You don't want to be anywhere. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't want to be anywhere. You just want to be in the bathroom. This was hard Ooh. to get me to come to your house. Yeah, this has been, like, three years, fuck, four years man. in the making. Yeah. I mean, because well, I... didn't have a phone. You know? This is true. This is true. I don't You're, make it easy, but I am a, I'm very easy to reach on email. I don't know your email. <laughs> I'm a Google search away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You are. You're pretty. You got I'm, a big, big uh, following on Google. On the Google. Yeah. You're all uh, over that thing. The uh, 
you know what the, the trick is getting in early like if you start posting something in 2004 on google mm -hmm. you're among like a, a very small sliver of people that are adding things to the internet and you can get a foothold i got a funny story so my my name is uh the same name as justin bieber's best friend <laughs> so for a long time i'd be getting like like 15 year old girls are adding me to their Skype and stuff and trying to talk to me and it's always like Dino Bieber Bieber super fan 69 or whatever the fuck can you get Bieber to come to my birthday yeah shit birthday like that Bieber. like I did a I attempted Twitter once mm -hmm. I didn't figure that I don't know how that works <laughs> I really don't I got Instagram yeah I didn't figure that out Instagram is easy yeah Instagram is, is very easy but yeah it was just what are they called? The Bieberettes? <laughs> Beliebers. That's it. Yeah, Beliebers would be on my ass all the time. Did you um, did you cut them off, or do are they still? Yeah, like I cut. I'm not talking. I'm not. It's, it's a dark path. <laughs> Jailbait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. You know, they had. Uh, I was up on Julian Assange for a while. <laughs> And then that Apple Bomb guy, all those guys. They have their own online it's all, community. It's all just a goddamn tracking device. They have a, a secret uh, Facebook group where Julian Assange and Gian Gameshi and mm -hmm. all of the other celebrity um, sex offenders get mm -hmm. together and they talk about how to get into Justin Bieber's entourage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had a, a great... Uh, Comedy Central roast of Justin Bieber. I didn't week. see it yet. Did it come out? Fucking Martha Stewart. She digs. She, she fucking she killed. Cuts him down. She killed. Uh, good sport, that lady billionaire. Mm -hmm. uh, my my job that pays me right now is like, uh, well, I'll say social work, so it's less confusing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have this. It's a f sort of Facebook story. It's super creepy. I have like. She came down to my office and she goes, she goes, I'm looking, f I'm looking for my son, Paul. Can you find him for me? Find my son. And I said, I don't really know if that's in my job description is <laughs> finding your lost son. <laughs> a detective. And I was a like, well, guy. you could hire a private investigator, uh -huh. but it's going to be a bit of money. Oh, I didn't want to pay that. And I go, well, I don't know. Do you, do you have a Facebook account? Yeah. Do you have an email? No. Yeah. What? Like, it just has no idea what any of this stuff is. And, and I go, well, okay, I'll, I'll set one up for you. Or let, I'll set one up for you tomorrow. And she goes, oh, okay. And she goes, I saw the photo of you. And I go, what photo? At Tim Hortons. And I went, there's a picture of me at Tim Hortons? She's like, yeah, you're a hockey player. I didn't know that about you. And I'm like... I don't, I don't think I was. And she's like, you know you Here's were, you. Gavin. And then left. And then the next day she comes back. And I set up the email and Facebook. And I immediately find the guy. Yeah. And I go, is this him? And she goes, no, he's far too ugly to be Paul. I'm like, you sure? Because he's like from Ontario. And I'm like clicking on the photos. Yeah. And there's like a photo of him with these two women and she goes oh those are my daughters but that's not paul and i go okay well i'm pretty sure that might be paul then she's like well i don't think so and i'm like w like where's your husband do you 
or is he your ex now? Like, do you have contact with him? She's like, oh, I haven't seen him since the fire. <laughs> just like that, like totally ominous. And I go, oh no. So I go, okay, I'm going to write, uh, I'll, I'll write the messages. Yeah. And the message is like, I live at this building now. Um, this is my number. Uh, I miss you guys. I love you. Get in contact with me. Right. Um, I got the surgery. Yes. So I was gone for that week. I was supposed to come back on Wednesday. I was just going to be like, ah, fuck it. I'll do uh, surgery Monday. I'll be back at work on Wednesday. Morphine guy. Cause, uh, cause it's a contract and you don't get sick days or like a life or anything. Right. This country's turning into a real shithole. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of popped in on Monday and I see her. And she goes, oh, that thing on the, the internet, you got to delete that. That's getting out there. And I go, okay. I'm like, did anyone, like, contact you? No, I haven't heard from anyone. Mm-hmm. So I completely blank out. I go, I go back to work, and I snaps, and I go, oh, shit. I got to check. I got to delete her thing, and I also got to check if they actually responded. So I, like, look on the messages. Oh, by the way, I added the... I told you I already added the da- the daughters, right? Right. So I added the daughters and the kid. Right. We go on. Everyone's deleted. Like, gone. They all deleted their profiles. All deleted their profiles. Scared shitless that gone. she found them. Yeah. So I'm just... So I got, like, the biggest chill up my spine. I'm like, oh, shit, I have to work with this woman for, like, God knows how long. And I don't know why they deleted her and what happened in the fire with the <laughs> husband, but... I'm pretty sure she burnt this guy or something. <laughs> like burned the house down. Or she was a ghost. Large mind. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah. Pee Herman scene. Yeah, there's that. Was there another So beat? Facebook's really fucking creepy. That, that, I mm-hmm. think that's my whatever point I'm trying to make. Right. Is you can find anybody. Yes. On it. Where yes. like you're putting everything up there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I didn't add the Bieberettes. <laughs> there was we're trying to sweet talk any of them. When we were living in uh, Koreatown, mm-hmm. we would see all these wanted posters up on uh, the posts. Mm-hmm. Was and it that guy who's missing his rollerblade? No, it was back in the Miller era in like 2006. The posters. He was good, right? Long. David Miller. Yeah, yeah, he's good mayor. He was good. Yeah, he, I met him. He did a lot of stuff. He did a lot of stuff, and because he um, accomplished a lot of things, there was a lot of controversy, because you mm-hmm. can't please anybody in this city, right? No. Regardless of what you build. Because it's a toilet. People are going to get pissed <laughs> about it. Um, so anyways, during the Miller era, uh, we would see these wanted posters up around Koreatown, and it would have this long-winded, multi-paragraph tirade about how this woman needed to find her son. Mm-hmm. Son was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. by the Ontario government. Mm-hmm. And then it listed uh, Dalton McGinty and David Miller were complicit in mm-hmm. this. And uh, there was implants that were put in the son's fillings and mm-hmm. his teeth. And it was very important that the son is returned to the, the mother mm-hmm. and she was uh, seeking help and legal counsel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there was phone numbers at the bottom that you could like tear off if you wanted to you know, connect with her. And... Uh, so we just thought that this was uh, an heirloom, an, an artifact, just like part of the city graffiti. Like that, that prince party that <laughs> happens every year? <laughs> the the anniversary the, of Purple Rain? 
<laughs> or that you can go watch uh, fucking Kid Dracula at Reg Hart. That was yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, and he's a child molester or something. Did uh, you see that? Those were on Queen Street. I didn't hear about it. it somebody had posters up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't go to Reg Hart's house. <laughs> penis in the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, unless you want, penis in the want popcorn. the old penis in the popcorn thing. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we we were home one night, and uh, we heard a knock at the door, and Ilya went to go answer it. And this Asian woman in her like <laughs> late 50s like comes into the house, Yeah, right? And she's speaking broken English, mm-hmm. and she's got a stack of the flyers <laughs> in her arms. And she's she's showing can't it to leave Ilya, the house without him. And she's made amendments, yeah. Because at this time, uh, David Miller has retired, and Rob Ford has been elected. So, no, and so she's gone. He's kidnapped. Scratched out David Miller's <laughs> name on the manifesto, and now it's Rob Ford. Yeah, that, that was responsible for the implants. Yeah, and the mind control and the kidnapping. Yeah, and she's she's going on about the implants in her teeth and stuff, and she's arcing her head back and, and showing Ilya her molars mm-hmm. and like you got a picture Ilya Schwartz mm-hmm. he's like a, a small Russian uh, Jewish guy and he's he's the stranger has has entered into the house and he's like trying very softly to shove her out the door <laughs> but he doesn't want to get forceful with her and it was just so surreal because it was a, an example of like how the, there's such a thin veil between like crazy yeah in real life and how like every so often like crazy will enter into your life and then mm-hmm. you go like oh shit now i gotta deal with this mm-hmm. um and she's still out there as far as i know mm-hmm. i wonder if and i probably else. know her <laughs> no but the weird thing about this city is it's like i'll use vancouver as an example so vancouver has a terrible terrible uh marginalization problem but it is contained in like one street mm-hmm. and doesn't spread in Toronto, it's everywhere. Yeah. But, like, no other city in the world, I think, you go on transit and you're going to get at least four freakouts. <laughs> and, like... New York City is New York, worse. New York's like that and San Francisco's like that. Mm-hmm. That I've... But but it, but it it's it's strange for here, though. Yeah. Because... Was it the... What's his face? The premier... Mike Harris. Mike Harris. Is Mike Harris responsible for all that? It might be. I mean, um, I didn't see the causation, uh, but Ilya, I remember when uh, he first moved to Toronto, he was saying, like, you know, there's there's a problem here. You guys need to yeah. open up a mental hospital because... It is a mental hospital. There's people that are wandering around that need care, yeah. and they're hurting themselves and stuff, and nobody's doing anything about it. And so that's why they set up cam age right mm-hmm. and they put a bunch of money into it and so hopefully there's going to be uh, they're going to start pushing back against that and people can get help mm-hmm. um, because it's embarrassing sometimes where you know you see somebody wandering in the middle of traffic and drool everywhere yeah yeah no and just like my neighborhood or our neighborhood uh east side beaches is like that scarborough mm-hmm. is like that it's everywhere mm-hmm and um yeah it's it's not good yeah i i think uh that's the thing that bummed me out about new york is when i last visited it uh last summer mm-hmm. um i could i could definitely see how it had the aspects 
of the things that you're describing in Toronto, but it was, it was all exaggerated and it wasn't just mental illness. It was like, you could see the evidence of a lack of universal health care. Yeah. So there'd be somebody who, as a child, People just look harder than had a, a cleft lip or yeah, yeah, yeah. something, some minor and ailment that should treated. have been fixed. Yeah. But now they have grown up to be like a full-on hunchback yeah, or yeah. a person who only has one leg and they've got it in some sort of weird contraption that they've mm-hmm. built out of garbage. And, uh, you know, it, it's... it's you, and you get this jaded... Um, appearance on the faces of of people who are affluent because of the low taxes and because right. of not having to pay for that healthcare right. system yeah. where they get really good at like stepping over those oh, yeah. people yeah, yeah yeah and and like they're headed just to like a, amorphous blobs or something in mm-hmm. their way headed to some sort of posh art party like in the loft above like the homeless um shanty town but we're becoming yeah. like that too mm-hmm. like we uh, my girlfriend and i like walked around yorkville yeah into that it almost looks like not like Notting Hill in London. Like it's just like these beautiful houses, mm-hmm. and then there's like this like country club with like you know private membership, and it's just like leather chairs with a fireplace, cigar smoking, and, and like your your own like tennis wear store in it, <laughs> and then like but because I'm coming from work and I'm yeah. just like I just want to like drop a couple of my guys off down here <laughs> so like hang out freak the shit out of them you that would be an amazing kickstarter it'd be great you could raise like forty thousand dollars in kickstarter and then get club memberships mm-hmm. for some underprivileged people and send them into the that's posh, a good idea yorkville academy apparently i'm supposed to be doing community development i didn't know that mm-hmm. i don't know anything about that's a good project it is good it'd be like trading places Exactly. Andy Murphy. Exactly. It was that place in Trading Places mm-hmm. where they're playing squash. It was that. Which is just, I didn't know that existed. Like, of course it does, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's so weird. The aristocracy doesn't seem to fit with Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you imagine, I was talking about this just last night where how there's kind of a lack of a of celebrity islands in Canada. And what I mean by that is if you become to... a celebrity in the United States, uh-huh. there's a couple of gated communities yeah. that you gain access to, and you can shut yourself off from the rest of the world. Right. Like you can be in this island in Los Angeles where your neighbors are fucking Bono and uh, Keanu Reeves, and you don't really need to spend time with regular people. Like You can do all your shopping and yeah. everything in this insulated area. And here in Canada the celebrity culture is a little bit more um, casual because there's not as many places to hide, I think. Well, in, in Santa Monica mm-hmm. and in, I think, a lot of places in the States, but when I visited there, you you ba- you walk across the street yeah. and you're in a shit neighborhood, mm-hmm. but you were just in, like, you know, where Will Arnett li- lives because I, mm-hmm. like, saw him every day. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's just, like, half a second walk over. Is the is this weird border that's put there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but they, I don't think we have that. But do they have like compounds though? There's big high fences. I, th- I think they have that here. Like, states, right? isn't the bridal path like that? It is. It definitely is. There definitely is rich areas with rich people. But what I'm kind of describing is like where nobody's can, getting in. 
yeah, like, you I, like I've, a, a I've, I've walked around like Drake or like Feist yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They're around. You see them at yeah, the mall yeah, yeah. and stuff like that yeah. sometimes. And sure. there's just not as much mania either. Like with like, like people who, where who cares? Like, who, who, he's who just, a shit. They're just musicians. Who cares? Yeah. They, do their thing. Um, or, you know, Mike Myers showing up at that, that patio that mm-hmm. you were describing. Um, I think that if he was an equivalent level star in the States, he wouldn't show up to a regular kind of bar because they would be uncomfortable there. There'd be mm. a lot of like paparazzi. No, I think he was uncomfortable. I th- yeah. People were looking at him and yelling shit at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I know in BC, there's like these like in places on Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. they'll like Oprah will own a mansion up there. Yeah. That's, no one will go to. This That's, is the helicopter. Nobody's pad. up there. It's yeah. Like you're visiting Jurassic Park. Yeah. Or like uh my uh my step grandfather has a sailboat mm-hmm. and when you're on it you'll go past like one of Bill Gates Islands and stuff like that. Um But no, I think it exists. Yeah. But I know I know what you mean. It's not as our our Canadian celebrities are like meaningless, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about somebody like Rick Moranis was famous yeah. for a while. Doesn't he live in like Hamilton? And, and then like, he's not famous anymore. And yeah. he probably goes to no frills like everybody else and puts on a, a ball cap mm-hmm. or whatever and people ignore him. Or mm-hmm. um, you know how Bill Murray has kind of settled into the idea that he's just going to be a you bro. Can do, yeah, he can he's do whatever the fuck dude. he wants. He shows up at college parties and stuff. Yeah. And he's around enough that people don't find it special anymore you know yeah well yeah i don't know it's it's ridiculous i guess yeah you can form a kind of weird aristocracy Mm -hmm. when the celebrities all kind of insulate themselves and make them you almost encourage people to freak out whenever they see you because Mm -hmm. it's a special kind of deal but I think everybody's kind of better off when you just treat celebrities as this is somebody with a job. This mm-hmm. is another job. Why do you, why are you more excited about that than like Warren Buffett shows up? Mm-hmm. He's got way more money. He's more and more powerful. Yeah. I think there's also like, like there's, I think Michael Sarah came into sneaky D's once. Yeah. And just guys were just wanted to beat the shit out of him oh. and were like heckling him and stuff. And then I heard some other story that he had to like run from some house party. Right. So there's also like they people fucking hate you too. Yeah. They and want to start you. shit with you. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Because I can imagine that totally happening. And yeah. No, it's an awful thing. I would want yeah, to think... just be normal and show up. Yeah. Remember, it uh, is. It's just a job, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, my friend Brennan was telling a story about Adam Sandler eating a hamburger in this vegan restaurant that he was working at Mm -hmm. and Adam Sandler was with his wife and kid and he had this kind of look on his face like as if to say at any moment I'm going to get swarmed people are going to start asking for autographs (laughs) people are going to be patting me on the back and telling me how funny I am and nobody reacted at all they served him his burger without the bun it's probably just like this Tension and anxiety always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. And even when it doesn't come, that it, makes it... It's still... It's worse, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God we're not famous. Yeah. Yet. 
yet. <laughs> Still got time. This podcast what are we is our, heard by dozens we, and dozens, yeah. Nolan. What are we, in our mid-50s now? <laughs> You're an old soul, my friend. Mm. I don't know what that means. <laughs> You're a curmu- you're you were a curmudgeon when I met you. I think you, I met you when you were what twenty one or twenty. Twenty one. No, I moved here when I was twenty two. Yeah, you already had that scowl. Mm-hmm. Where's my smokes? <laughs> I quit smoking. Guy. I gave that up officially. Yeah, and I realized that parties suck without it. <laughs> I realized that I don't want to be at parties. I just wanted to be smoking outside, <laughs> avoiding them. <laughs> So now I just stop going to things. Okay. Because, yeah, like, I kind of want to smoke. Right. Just based on that. Right. Yeah. It encourages you to smoke. I, I can't smoke anymore. Right. Like, I've got drunk, and I've been like, eh, I remember this being pretty good. And it's just like, yeah, it's... How can you describe it? Do you smoke? Did no. you ever smoke? No. Trying to think of something funny, I can't come up with anything. <laughs> Does it say like a a raccoon's ass or something? But that's not right. I understand the appeal of it because raccoon's there's a social thing delicious. going on, right? That seems to be what ropes a lot of people in. Is that it's it's a conversation starter, it's a habit kind of thing, yeah. And it is a way. I think of- it's you want to die deep down, <laughs> secretly, like you're suicidal because yeah. you. Why are you doing it? Mm. That's all it does. Yes. It gets you like a little buzzed and you can kind of think uh, quicker. Right. That's like a the col- college kids do that, right? Or yep. guys that uh, they'll pots of coffee and cigarettes and it, you get a little more focused for a couple minutes. So it does have that. It's not like there is no drug to it. Right. Or no high from it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like... You know how fucking bad it is now, right. right? You know that it's the reason why you're in the hospital. 25,000 people die a year from cigarette-related Yeah, illness. like everyone I'm around uh-huh. are smoking like the, the Lucy's in a bag, and they're just Jesus. hacking the shit out of the themselves. Filters? And they're old, right? They're yeah. like in their 50s, 60s, and it's just like... It's because you're miserable, because you're like living this lifestyle. But even like younger kids who do it... Mm-hmm. Um, or there's also like the the artist thing too of like there's photos of like Bob Dylan smoking or I don't know anything about art painters that smoked Basquiat I know him yeah yeah well and I mean it, it and, does look cool I mean there is something about but or they breathing cool, smoke right? into your body when you see fire. some fucking loser smoking wearing sweatpants he doesn't look cool no right or like Toshu guy. Or those like robococks that everyone's smoking. The vape thing. The vape thing is like it would have been in Back to the Future too, right? Yes. Like it's very much like that would the, be in a sci fi movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it not, you know, ridiculous or They stupid. have to add the cancer to them if they want the vape to be as popular as cigarettes. Yeah. But it's still you're smoking it's still horrible for you, right? Ye- this isn't a health device uh, well the vapor delivers the nicotine and leaves out the cyanide and the tar and all the so other they say stuff. so they claim well yeah that was the big idea. vape companies but what i'm saying is like if you're getting to the root of it mm-hmm. where the act of smoking is like a cheating death type of thing and mm-hmm. that's what the appeal is 
then I think that the vaporizers would be more popular if they added a brand of vaporizers that were just as bad or worse for you than the cigarettes. Whenever I've walked past a single guy smoking one of those, mm-hmm. he's always staring at the ground. Yeah. Because he knows he looks ridiculous. <laughs> he knows he's, he's an idiot. They remind me of those hookah pipes from, um, you know, like Alice in Wonderland, like Caterpillar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Clarinets. But have you ever stared, just stared one down when you're walking past him? No, just, you don't have to give him a crazy face. Just just notice that you're looking at the thing in his mouth. In the and future. they just kind of stare at the ground. And yeah. 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 It's like a guy with a really bad haircut and he knows it's stupid. Or his pants are too tight. I feel it like... It has that self-consciousness about it. I feel I would be standing in the way of the future arriving if if I if I did anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. kind of glad that people are smoking out of robotic machines and stuff. No, 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 yeah, no. I it's, I it's I saw that novel. yesterday and I got that. I'm like, yeah. "Oh, I bet that would be in a sci-fi movie or something." Uh-huh. So now I kind of like it. Uh-huh. Have you seen the life paint thing? No. Okay. Homework assignment. Yeah, so life paints this thing. I think it's only out in the UK. But it's this adhesive spray you spray on yourself. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that that Earl sweatshirt video for no. the new song? It's basically you're just like uh, those shitty uh, Joel Schumacher Batman movies, right? So where they had those scenes like the <gasps> black light, yeah, and they're all painted like that, right? The spray does that, but you're white. Cool. So whenever there's a light on you, you're you illuminated. Glow. Crazy. And it's so cars stop hitting people at night on bikes. Wow. So I think Volvo bought it. But it's all geared towards cy- uh, cycling. You glow whenever. Yeah, the it's it's you. insane. Nice. Yeah. So you could spray it on children trick or treating. Yeah. And you could spray it on your bicycle. Homeless person. Homeless person. Hmm. Because hmm. come to that. Outside of where I work, yeah, a woman was hit by a, a car on Sherborne and Dundas. Because mm-hmm. she was jaywalking at night, and this, there's a drunk driver speeding. Mm-hmm. It didn't see her, hit her. She flew. I saw like the surveillance footage of it. it was insane. Just but, over but, uh, on Soron Bridge, there was a, a pregnant yoga instructor that got hit on her bike. That is like the worst design bridge to walk. Like you mm-hmm. walk or bike, there's no crosswalk. The streetcar comes, and you're dead. Like there's so many shrines to fall in pedestrians up there it's mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. how that doesn't get fixed and who's the mayor now uh john tory john right? tory gotta bring yeah. it up with that guy <laughs> sup bro um, um the that's that's like one of the major things that uh is embarrassing about toronto and the car culture in general is is mm-hmm. out of control just that well there's no rules in the city for driving right you can do whatever the fuck you want. There's no police anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's no man's. Yeah, it's just it's depending on the time of day, depending on where you are in the city, you can get away with a lot. Mm-hmm. And the bias is always towards the car, both from the mm-hmm. driver's point of view and from the law enforcement that surrounds it. Mm-hmm. What I mean is that like. If you are texting on your phone and you run somebody over and nobody saw that you were texting, mm-hmm. get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you say like, oh, the person shouldn't have been jaywalking. There's like, not like an onus. I always 
felt like when I was growing up that the, the rule was the pedestrians have the right of way Always, in all yeah. circumstances. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're in the middle of the intersection. No. You're, you're, you're not supposed to be running over people. What is that that guy, the lawyer who murdered that guy on uh, Bloor? <laughs> and he McGinty's says the guy was chief of the guy said the guy was attacking him or something. Yeah, there was a bike courier and he hit the bike courier yeah. and the bike courier lost his shit. He's like, "You asshole! You almost killed me!" Yeah. Blah blah blah. And the lawyer tried to take off. Yeah. And the bike courier lost his mind and tried to mount the car. Yeah. And hang on to it. And he, I think, the lawyer swerved. Yeah. The bike messenger fell off the car and was run over by the car and died. Yeah. And uh, he got off. Yeah. Yeah, he got off. Scott Free, it was, it was kind of like uh, the judge said that they had established that the messenger had a, a, a history of freakouts and stuff like yeah. that. And so that kind of, I guess, he had it coming mm-hmm. is, is their point of view. Um, but the, 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 the reality is that on the sidewalk... There is like nearly a dozen people, saw pedestrians, everything. in the city that are run over by cars on the sidewalk. Yeah. The car just mounts the sidewalk and mm-hmm. runs over pedestrians. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to all of this like Google robot car stuff. Yeah, Because yeah. I don't think humans are responsible or focused enough to be able to be handling these vehicles anymore. Mm. I think there's too many distractions. I think there's too many people that are watching fucking YouTube videos while they're driving. Let's not leave out the driving schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> no, they're all right. <laughs> I was in Copenhagen in 2013, and it was oh, unbelievable. Shit. Yeah. That's cool. Everything about that place. It's all psychic. They have really psychic. high taxes, mm-hmm. and everyone's really good looking. Nice. And no one's, no one seemed that depressed for, like, a place that's, you know, should be depressing, right? Right. Why is Copenhagen it's, depressing? Just because it's, it's a, a Nordic country. It's cold all the time. All it's isolated. The Nordic countries rock, though. I know. But I'm just saying, like, the atmosphere is depression or de- depressing. Mm-hmm. Weather-wise, I guess. I see. But it was just, like, people in parks. And mm-hmm. there are no cars anywhere. Very mm-hmm. few. It's all... It's a bike city. So it's all cycling. Uh, and it works really well. It's great. But they're complete assholes. They're like super aggressive. You get you get belled to death <laughs> by gorgeous like Vikings. But yeah, no, it's great. It's great. And it's weird. I don't it's weird when you see a, a society or country that works really well, but yet we continue to do the same shit. Yeah. But, um... Because we're... The worldview's not the same for everybody. No, we're still... We're still, like, Commonwealth. We didn't have a revolution, though. But I guess we're still kind of ruled by... But they have a monarchy. It's really... The thing that I find interesting is I've been trying to seek out opportunities to talk to conservative friends of mine Mm -hmm. and really get to the bottom of where this where they're coming from republican kind of worldview comes this it's always an angry place Mm -hmm. the the type of person that gets wrapped up in a lot of materialism and focusing on being jealous and competitive and wanting to Mm -hmm. 
display self-worth by having a big house and a big car. Yeah. They get those petty. like those 80s success posters. But not even. It's like a sad version of that. Yeah. You get these people who are in their big places. But they're still living kind of shitty lives, Televisions right? when they should be hanging out with their friends and just, yeah. you know, kissing their wives and stuff. You know, uh, hanging out with their babies. Like, there's, a, there's this weird kind of, like, insulated... They're so... Af- they've they've built up this fortress around them because mm-hmm. they're afraid of people and they're afraid of... Mm-hmm. They've got social anxiety. They've got um, insecurity issues. And they've built up this fortress of, of uh, consumer goods around them. Mm-hmm. And all of the people that I know that are the most, like, balanced, fun, easy to get along with, and generous, they're always people who have nothing. Yeah. Right? And and the, the happiest country, like, uh, Latin American countries, mm-hmm. they're always, you know, whatever statistic comes out, that they're the happiest. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't have anything mm-hmm. like that. Because... You're you live communally, and you live in big yeah you live in big groups of people. You share things. You share what little you have, I guess, and you work together. There's definitely a and there's also just a gratefulness for like the 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 basic needs. Yeah, I one of the outreachers. Oh, sorry, outreach workers I work with. Yeah, he says if I go to a place like Haiti. Um, I'll go there and they really want to learn from me and they want to know how they can build some sort of home for themselves mm-hmm. and they'll work their ass off and they really want to do well. Mm-hmm. And you try to do outreach here with a marginalized population and it's just, they just don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It's like you do it for, you do it for me or like, fuck you. Or that's that entitlement thing to it. Weird. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of the hatred of like the homeless comes from that if you're of a conservative mindset and yeah. you don't understand that it's it's because they're struggling so much in a prosperous place, right? A place that's you know that is great. They have a lot more than most do, but mm-hmm. they're they're living way worse lives than than mm-hmm. the have-nots in other parts of the world. Yeah, it's it's way easier and more dignified to be poor in a lot of countries than it is to be here. Mm-hmm. And I I also understand working your ass off mm-hmm. and then not wanting to pay tax. Yep. Because you're like, fuck. I work all I I work my ass off. I don't make much money, and then I have to give a lot of it away. Mm-hmm. But you know, the guys you worship or the guys you want to be like are fucking paying nothing, and they have shitloads of money, like more than you could. You couldn't spend it in life to, in a lifetime, right? and that's the thing that I've been trying. And that's to where I don't get it. Advocate. I think it's more of like an obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. th- of hoarding things, hoarding money, mm-hmm. um, and it's really more of a, a a game, I guess. Like I was talking to like a lawyer about this, and it's more like the lawyer's mindset of like they don't think of the case as like the after effect, the outcome of what happens in the right. ruling of like, maybe this guy doesn't get to see his kids anymore and he right. kills himself. Mm-hmm. They just see it as a puzzle that has to be solved. Right. And they leave all human context out of it, which Moral I think bias. might be some of the, the capitalist perspective. Totally. I see that every it's day. Just, it's more, or like, yeah. 
like war games, I guess, or driving a drone, or like mm-hmm. you playing a game to kill people. You, you didn't actually kill anyone because you didn't see it. Yeah, it's all about and you're not and your head isn't mm-hmm. in that. And uh, they talk about the soldier's <laughs> mindset as being um, from day one. They make the focus mm-hmm. on protecting your fellow soldiers and completing the mission objectives for the good of your country. Yeah. All of the other collateral stuff that happens is they try to shut their ears and their minds off to it. You don't think about that. And when you live in a capitalist society like we do, Mm -hmm. you're being told that this is success. Yep. You're doing well. You're playing the game properly. Mm Mm-hmm. So why should you think it's fucked up or wrong? Mm Mm-hmm. When... It is, yeah, in all aspects. I think that I felt it at, on like a very small level mm-hmm. when you think to yourself, uh, "Oh, my friend's birthday is coming up." Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing to do would be to get them a present or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you got this other voice in your head that's like, "Yeah, but fuck them, fuck that guy. I don't yeah. want to. You know, he never got me a present." Yeah, and yeah, also, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's probably not a big deal if I just, you know, I'll pat him on the back, shake his hand. That's enough. Yeah. He doesn't really, and then you, you're telling your, yourself this story that there's a lot of really good reasons why you should be selfish and not do nice things for yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to get so ahead. often, you'll run into like a friend, yeah, and they'll just be this person who's just unabashedly generous. They don't even think twice about it. They just yeah. give, give, and give, and give. Mm-hmm. And you'll get inspired by that. Mm-hmm. And you turn off the voice in your head for a, for a little while, and you just go like you know what, I'm just going to give somebody a present, not even to think about it, mm-hmm. right? And you get this this, this overwhelming like return from that mm-hmm. where you see your friend happy and you... you um, there's all these positive things that only come at the end when you do that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you forget about that nasty voice in your head that was like trying to get you to be stingy and shit. It's you know, all that cra- classic Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge stuff from like, of course. Christmas Carol. Yeah. No, in your life, your life gets, or in my experience, my life has gotten way better when I just thank people for things they mm-hmm. do. Like you send them a thank you card or an email, mm-hmm. like just really minuscule things mm-hmm. that, you know, I wasn't doing before. Mm-hmm. And then I'd wonder why, like, you know, things wouldn't work out in some, because you don't have a network. Yeah. So like that guy's a bag of shit. <laughs> Not like they're expecting, you know, thank yous. No. But it, you know, well, this person is semi-thoughtful. Right, right. Or is considering a little more than just, just just basic effort to not to be nice. Always show up on time. Yes, And be as nice as you can. Yes, 100%. 100%. And don't talk People, too much shit. Only talk shit when someone's brought it up. Right. <laughs> People underestimate that, when it's that all right basic, that first it. rule, show up on time. The most important. It, there's funny things Mike that... Mike Judge said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's, there's friends that I've talked to where they've asked me for references or to try to get them jobs at places. Yeah, and you're like... And I go, I really want to help you out. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I've been paying attention over the last like 10 years. Mm-hmm. There's been a number of times on small things mm-hmm. where you I've flake wanted, I needed help or something and you said you were mm-hmm. going to do it and then you didn't do it. It just, it, 
there's a pattern of not following through mm -hmm. and the dangerous thing about big stuff like where you're inviting somebody into your your company mm -hmm. or you're going to take somebody to meet your parents mm -hmm. or whatever there's the stakes are higher and you go like are you going to come through for this because yeah. on the little stuff you, you haven't you fucked off yeah and you know people kind of think that like you can turn it on and off and how sometimes like there's situations where the world's not paying attention and you can be irresponsible and people will forget about it. And mm -hmm. there's other things where you're going to really try. But I feel like people are always kind of subconsciously keeping a tally over, um, you know, who's who can who they can trust, like, in a bad time. Oh, for like, sure. There's yeah, yeah, friends yeah. that you have that you know, yeah, yeah. like, if you got stabbed or whatever, that They'd they would show there. up and help you, right? Um, and other friends that you kind of know that, like, they might yeah it's hard to say i a friend of mine he's uh he's quit drinking and doing all all the shit that fucked his life up yeah and yeah he had that realization that i think a lot of people do do that and they go oh i don't have friends anymore mm. <laughs> when i stopped doing this mm -hmm. i realized it's just me and maybe one person jesus because you go, oh, okay. It was just because I was providing the, the blow that night. Uh -huh. Or the drinks that night. And I don't have... I may have, like, 3,000 friends on, you know, Facebook. And I'm getting texts all the time. But as soon as I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not doing this anymore, they're gone. Right. Yeah. Which is a way different thing than we're talking about, but... It would happen with a lot of things, right? If you were part of any scene, if you were like a break dancer and you're part of a break dance scene and then you're like, nope, not dancing anymore. Yeah. There'd be people that- What, ha what happened to fire legs? <laughs> Used to light this place up, boy. He didn't, he didn't spray his life paint on. The Bee Gees. Get on the got hit. speaker. Got hit. <laughs> Bee Gees are good. Of course. Underrated group. The first side of, of uh, Saturday Night Fever. Get, get yeah. out of here. Nights on Broadway is really good. <laughs> I've always appreciated the video for staying alive because Great. it seems like they're marching charismatically through a post-apocalyptic Detroit mm -hmm. type of place. Mm -hmm. And then you listen to lyrics about, you know, uh, it's, it's about uh, people on like the edges of society, like barely holding it together. Staying alive. And staying alive. Oh, yeah. And by God, this song is going to get you through. It's a hobo anthem. And I was like, wow. It's deep shit, Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. Brothers, uh, Brothers, Brothers Gib. <laughs> so at work, um, I, I was talking to a guy, and he was telling me all about, uh, do you know anything about this, Jesse? It's a, uh, the Nazis were trying to, or he says the Nazis had a time machine going called the Bell. <laughs> I haven't heard this. This you is fascinating. This? So the I don't know much about it, but he's too, he it was a a tangential non sequitur story, and then it went, yeah, well, the world's biggest bookstore. Before we lost that, they'd have this book on the Bell, the Nazi time machine. But since that closed, you can't find this publication anywhere. Try to look on the internet, but it's going to be hard. <laughs> and then you're like, it pops up right away. Like I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but like. Yeah, I guess the Nazis had a time machine called the Bell. Did they go forward in the future? I don't know anything about it. This, was, this was yesterday. Imagine the Nazis haven't arrived yet. Like yeah. in 2020 or something, the Nazis, the Nazis come through the portal. Mm -hmm. And you realize that they've 
they're a harder people. Mm-hmm. They're the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to come into this world of effeminate and uh, soft <laughs> Lady people boys. who just want to play fucking Angry Birds. <laughs> And they're going to show us what actual fascism is all about. Because you know how that word gets thrown around quite a lot. What, fascism? Yeah. yeah. Stephen Harper's a fascist. George W. Bush is a fascist. Mm-hmm. You f- you forget that only 60 years ago, there yeah, was, it was a plan. They're real fascists. To round up every person <laughs> in France, mm-hmm. gas them, and then to repopulate Europe with a new German super race. And when Stalin had the crazies, wasn't he going after everybody too? He's like, I'm start I'm going to kill the Jews now. I think like, he killed like 12. Yeah, but he was like, now I'm going to continue that genocide. Yeah, perhaps. that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. At all. It's our grandparents. Yeah. No, it's scary. And uh, they did everything else too. They established the welfare state. They built all of our highways. They did everything. And our parents have uh, just coasted along. Mm-hmm. How much can we suck out of these systems? And how? What kind of like a gray husk can we leave behind? Yeah. For Gen Y and Gen Z. <laughs> is Gen Z the ne- like my my buddy's kid? Is that uh, what it is? I. Th- or are they the iPod generation? Uh, well, I think the your, vape generation. What year were you born? I was born in '85. '85. So you're part of Gen Y, yeah. and then the kids underneath you are the millennials. And They're the millennials. I thought I was the millennials. Millennials are around the 2000. Uh, born in 2000. Okay, like five years younger than you. But none of this stuff is real. Yeah, like a generation is 20 years. It's not like yeah. every five years we can come up with a new name. It's just buzzwords. Um. But there are you X? Generation are you the, Y. You're Y. You're first. I'm on the, the first. The one. first Y. The last is 78, right? The last Something, Gen X. Yeah. If you yeah. meet people from 78, yeah, they have a slightly different worldview that comes yeah. from watching a little bit more He-Man when they yeah. were like five or six versus being like two or three when that stuff was on. Mm-hmm. Or uh, what was the Reality Bites? <laughs> yeah, totally. I used to think that Ethan Hawke character was cool. Mm-hmm. He's like the biggest shitbag in the world. Like it was on TV the other day. And he's like, it's like he stole the Snickers because he, you know, felt the man owed him the Snickers. Mm-hmm. It's like, what a fucking loser. Like stealing mm-hmm. chocolate bars. All of that stuff. This is the guy who we worship. All of that Gen X stuff. Um, yeah. It's it like comes off the as worst petty. dude ever is, was awesome mm-hmm. at the time. It's it's just punk to be a bit of a annoying um, brat all the time. That's the worst movie ever, right? Like <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Ben Stiller directed that. No shit. He was uh, Zoolander, which is a great film. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember funning or what funning. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't remember laughing at that movie, but I don't know. It grows on you. Yeah. Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> That's good. The files are in the computer? My Okay, so my friend was telling me this story that when Zoolander came out, it was like 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah? Like when they were doing the press for it. No oh, shit. And that's why it tanked. Oh, okay. I didn't make that... Um connection yeah but i remember it not doing well and then i watched it and i was like this is a funny movie because people didn't do anything remember that like it was just we were just watching that Those, that, that footage over that and over and over footage again. and the banner showed up mm-hmm. like 
pretty soon after that, mm-hmm. and things started getting edited. This that first Strokes record, mm-hmm. New York City Cops was left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Theft Auto was altered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think Shell about shock. that time? Yeah, it was the thing that was. You're, old, you're to me older was than me. I I tried to black it out. I think, but I think it's why we're a little bummed out. Oh yeah, for a decade. Just growing in yeah, because everything was going up. Everything was on everything the upswing, and then well, we didn't know about any stolen election in the United States. Yeah, and then a giant terrorist attack. Uh-huh. I was at um, first year of college, and we were in media class. And our teacher was trying to teach us about randomness and how if you get, like, the right random spaces... What was that book about randomness that came out? I don't know. The something walk? I'm not sure. doesn't matter. It's a book I own that I haven't read. Anyways, there's a drawing principle Yeah. Um, where if you get the spaces right, like between branches on a tree, it'll mm-hmm. look more like a realistic tree to the point where it's really about the silhouette that makes it look realistic versus making it look like cartoon and stupid. Mm -hmm. So he was demonstrating randomness. He had a handful of coins Mm -hmm. and he's like, okay, check this out. And so he throws the coins on the table in an effort to get them to bounce in all directions and make a random pattern that you could like emulate. Mm -hmm. You get the spaces between these coins, they'll look like they were dropped versus a, a bad drawing where everything is spaced out too mechanically. And it just so happened that the coins all landed like in a perfect straight row. Really? And he was like, that's weird. <laughs> and then a beat later, yeah. um, Dan Workman comes into the, the, the illustration room. And he's like, you guys got to go down to the, the cafeteria. It's mm-hmm. like, there's some crazy shit going on in New York. Yeah. And we're walking down the hallway and he's describing how a plane hit the, the trade center. Mm-hmm. And... The first thing that comes into your mind, like whenever anybody says something like that, is like, oh, like one of those single engine things, yeah, yeah, like yeah. John F. Kennedy Jr. is yeah, yeah. flying his plane around and he accidentally the Wright brothers plane the tower, and then he's like, he's like, and then a second plane hit, and huh. now the towers are gone. And I was like, what do you mean gone? He's like, they're gone. They fell. They fell down. They blew up. Yeah. He's like, how do you? Those buildings are massive. How did yeah. they disappear? He's like, it, the building was on fire and then they collapsed and it's gone. And I was like, there's 52,000 people that work in that place. And everybody was very confused. But I remember when I was watching the replay and the burning buildings and the, the, the jets crashing in and the Pentagon and all the attack stuff, the Osama bin Laden thing like came to my mind right away. Really? I was like... I, You'd know that about terrorist it? guy probably did this. That Osama bin Laden because they had been name dropping it. Right. The last like six months, all through the news, there had been that warship, that SS Cole thing mm-hmm. that had gotten a rocket attack, mm-hmm. and it was just too convenient. Like there was that that worm was already in my brain. Right. And the other thing that was in my brain was that well, the Americans are going to destroy the Middle East for this. Yeah. Like that was the obvious instinct that i have it's like someone's going to fucking pay for this blah 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 i remember and a kid's like this means their economy's fucked and i didn't know what the economy was mm-hmm. i was like oh that's is that bad and i was all <laughs> it's like civilian target blah 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 i didn't understand the significance of the trade center and how like that is a military target right um and then i got back to the class and i was super naive when i yeah, was yeah, like yeah. 21 years old or yeah. whatever because um 
you know, I'm from the suburbs and I don't know who, I didn't know who Noam Chomsky was at the time right. or any of that kind of radical politics stuff. And I was talking to my friend Todd about it and I was like really shaken up uh-huh. and he was kind of like, boy, this has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you know, uh, it's, it's just another, another, um, senseless violence and this is just going to lead to more senseless violence being advocated and the whole thing is going to keep on cycling around forever and ever and the Americans are going to use it as an excuse to do all these things mm-hmm. and I was uh, very confused at like where that was coming from mm-hmm. and I said so you're aren't you upset he's like I'm not you know I didn't cry like when the Americans participated in like Nazi death camps in fucking South America under Reagan and stuff and I'm not gonna right and I had no idea what any of this stuff was and he's like yeah this is like there's a lot of stuff that you should read about yeah blah 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 before you um weigh into this stuff because if you don't know that background uh an event like that can make you much more right wing yeah you would right be otherwise yeah you didn't know that like harry kissinger is like the biggest mm-hmm. terrorist of all time mm-hmm. and, yeah and how awful how many blunders the cia had and mm-hmm. and how they created and they they the, put the guys the in place. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it was a very very strange day and it led to Almost immediately afterwards, I bought, like, a uh, PlayStation 2. Yeah. And there was a lot more, like, DVD watching and a lot mm-hmm. more, like, drugs and just hanging out on mattresses in a frat house and doing artwork. A lot of it's hardcore escapism. Right. And the thing that I've that I've noticed about my behavior and about my work is, mm-hmm. like, now that we're headed out of that territory and it's been... Yeah. It's been... A, it's more, more than a decade, right? Mm-hmm. It's been 13 years. Um, I'm starting to become looped back and get more interested in the real again. Right. Where instead of like making artifice and wanting to make cartoons and weird psychedelic stuff. Right. I'm becoming more interested in just like have a connection with somebody who's doing things and let me hear about like what Nolan thinks about the world and what he's afraid of and all that kind of stuff. Because that's real. Yeah. I want to get back to the real again. Yeah. Um, because I think we were all... You think the psychedelic... Or I guess... Shell-shocked. Was from... more that time period. Mm-hmm. And Lord of the Rings, all of that stuff is escapism. You mm. want to forget about the crazy shit that's going on in the world. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to deal with it. And um, that ties in really well with what I was just saying about like the greatest generation, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's... I thought I think our the grand Torinos they fucking did something about it right yeah, like they they, uh, they were faced with a lot of challenges and um, they made it a very instinctively they would just band together and figure mm-hmm. out a way to deal with it for right or for wrong certainly like in that World War II era every single country in the world committed like terrible atrocities mm-hmm. and stuff so they were both the best and the worst where did where yeah. did um because where did it become okay to like hate people who are trying to protest or change things? I don't know. Where did that come from? I think because if I'm not saying like cowards. I'll say more more guys I know who are not you know who who just work in restaurants and are not connected to. Um, I mean I'm I'm not I'm not a scholar or anything, but I it's part of my my job right now. 
of where yeah like the the thing in montreal about uh protesting austerity right they don't know what austerity is but these guys are a bunch of fucking like pussies and like shitty hippies for protesting this and they need to just like go back to work and go back to school Mm -hmm. like when did that attitude yeah yeah i feel like it comes from was that reagan and like following that there's something there's a lot of like elements of because my fascist stuff that kind of comes along with my parents were never like Mm-hmm. That's that shit's fucking stupid. Why mm-hmm. would you do that? Right. I, think, I don't think it was discussed very much, but it wasn't. So, like, when I hear it from people, I guess it comes from that. Mm-hmm. Even though they're boomers, right? Like they, they're of that generation. I think that the instinct that you would have to go out and protest something, you are identifying with being a dissident. Mm-hmm. You were saying the system is fucked up and we need to change it. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are lucky enough to be on the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. you are very afraid that the system is going to change mm-hmm. because you don't want to be in that scenario where you are one of the have-nots. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the negativity and a lot of the venom that they spit comes from that idea that the protesters might win and then they might then have get, to deal get, with change. Or, or then we have to work. Uh, yeah, that kind you, of that that, that work that you get from having to change. You have to actually and, do and come up with stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet they hate government, or you know, there's <laughs> I don't know. There's too much education, or yeah, too much information, and not enough. Uh, I don't know. Focus, I guess. Not enough. It's community. sort of like a mosaic of random info you get. I think that the the medicine is that people have got to start talking to their neighbors again. Mm-hmm. And I think that we got to break down some of these um cultural walls because the the th- the thing about like conservative people that have all of this resentment, mm-hmm. they need more hugs than anybody else. And I pe- almost feel like we need an adopt a suburbanite campaign yeah. where you like bring them into a house, you say like, "You know what? You're going to live without your TV uh-huh. for a month." You're going to work at a shitty job. You're going to have a couple of beers at the end of the night. And uh, you're going to have conversations with people. And you're going to have some real human moments. And you're not going to worry about gas prices and getting your car washed and all of that stuff that's bumming you out. And the the people I know who, you know, are getting the most, like, millions of people have said this, but the people I know who are getting, like, the most fucked by the system. Mm Mm-hmm. Are the ones who are like fuck these protesters, yeah. the the Toronto Sun readers, fucking losers. <laughs> I guess you could make an argument that they are the the sheep, though. Mm-hmm. Like they would have been the union guys mm-hmm. that if we, they were born in a different era and they were working in Steel Town in the union, mm-hmm. they would be the hardcore union guys. Mm-hmm. They're the followers of of whatever system, right is the dominant thing. So they're going to cheerlead, even if they become wage slaves, they'll say like, well, you know what? Somebody's got to run the system. Mm -hmm. And you know, our dictator, he's the smartest guy out of the bunch and Mm -hmm. he really should tell us what to do. And things could be a lot worse if we like, there's a lot of people who like jail, Mm -hmm. like guys I talk to who are like, I'll go back. It's 
I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about rent or food or, mm-hmm. like, anything. Yeah, I think that's totally a metaphor for a lot of, of, uh, of people that are big fans of the status quo. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that y- you have to be honest with yourself. Like, every we'd all be insecure. Like, mm-hmm. when things were going down in 2008... Mm-hmm. And the hyperbole on the news stations were was saying that without drastic intervention, the economy might fall apart, the paper market might disappear, and the mm-hmm. bank's gone, and then everybody will be out of work, and the whole right. financial system will be destroyed, mm-hmm. and Great Depression, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I got freaked out by that. Yeah. I thought that that was kind of crazy. Even though I didn't have a real job, and even no. though I didn't yeah. have anything to lose, we were still we were living the Great Depression. I just didn't want to. <laughs> I would be so disappointed if we got to that post-apocalyptic Kermit McCarthy like road scenario. Yeah, yeah. Where okay, I got to deal with this now. There's going to be like fucking prepper maniacs walking around yeah. the neighborhood, like it's trying lot, to steal your shit. Yeah, and it's a lot of walking. <laughs> we're walking around. It's not really my speed. No, man. no. <laughs> I just want to take a sit. Yeah. Did you read that book? I have not read The Road, no. There's a section in it where they run I, into I do a, know that Cormac McCarthy and Tommy Lee Jones were roommates. Cool. Mm-hmm, in college. And that's why he directed and starred in one of his plays. Hmm. But yeah, no. I've read they're really depressing. Mm-hmm. I like to read books with a lot of like sex in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not there's not a lot of sex in Cormac McCarthy's books. Yeah, I don't think I can make it through that darkness. No, yeah, I could read that. There's darkness and also the darkest kind of humor too. Oh, then then black, I'm in, then I'm into black it. Black humor. Yeah, good. Um, but he's a very painterly writer, if that makes any sense. Flowerly, flowerly, flowery or no, painterly. not flowerly. The language is very simple. Okay, he's like Hemingway ish. A lot of periods in sunsets and creosote and the right the the botany of the area and treating man as this supernatural entity that's that's been thrown out across almost like dante's inferno right type of thing but it's all real things like the blood meridian is a historical book Mm -hmm. it's it's like a historical novel a lot of the events in that book are based in real fact Mm -hmm. and that's fucking creepy to appreciate that you can write something in biblical language that has really confident lessons about what he feels like is the center of the universe and what it means to be a human. Right. And it's this crazy story about marauding scalp hunters going across the Mexican border, like massacring Indians. And there's this seven foot tall, bald, um, judge character who's like brilliant and speaks all these different languages and he's Mm -hmm. like their satanic leader Mm -hmm. and you read the historical documents and that thing that person existed he was real yeah judge holden um it's a very kind of surreal thing to get into and perfect time for uh for for that era they should definitely make that into a movie now that we're getting back to the real the real deal the real shit Mm mm-hmm Well, Mr. Murray, you're over two hours. So if uh, you have... <laughs> I got a plug. <laughs> yeah, I got a plug. 
I got a plug in my side, keeping my <laughs> organs in my abdomen. Pretty good. <laughs> I have a, yeah. I've been thinking about the concept of anti-advertising mm-hmm. lately. What, and culture jams? Sort of. H&M, metal, that thing, that little, story? Little prompts to, yeah. uh, to get people um, just like to, to snap out of their, their haze and to um, do something a little bit out of character. Mm-hmm to get them to wake up mm-hmm. have you ever had like an experience where um you were put in a situation that you wouldn't normally be in like against your will or something and it kind of made you see things in a different kind of way i mean you've gone mm-hmm. so many different places mm-hmm. that that it almost seems like you're self-inflicting that right like do you like to be put into a a position of imbalance so that you can kind of figure things out or like does it help you focus if you're surrounded by uncertainty or yeah do you mean like a specific space that i go i'm really uncomfortable here but yet i'm here yeah but i put myself here yeah like where you go out intentionally into an area where you don't know anybody and you're just gonna figure things out or you go to a new city and you don't have a job and you're just going to figure out how to get an apartment. Yeah, I in. do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's always the same city. I think that that's a, that's a very artistic headspace. Yeah. And um, you are behaving like, like a Kerouac type of person, right? Where sure. you're collecting things that would make for story fodder and stuff if you decided mm-hmm. to, to write a book or, or whatever it is. Um, and I'm curious about putting together prompts for people who might be in their 20s or whatever mm-hmm. who or who might be like mid-career artists people have been doing things for like 10 years but are finding that they're making work that's actually shallow because right. they're not putting enough of themselves into it mm-hmm. and i feel like there's nothing there's no better way to start making more personal art than to put yourself out off balance right um so i'm wondering like i'm trying I to put together some prompts to to get people to snap out just when i started working in like um like homeless shelters yeah um as soon as you go there you like i you you want to leave immediately especially because mm-hmm. my biggest fear on life is is bed bugs oh yeah since i'd had them once yeah and it ruins your life they're indestructible yeah vampires but i i got i think i got such a I got sort of a kick out of it and I started to enjoy being there and started to relate with it mm-hmm. based on people who are, I'd say, quote unquote, not crazy and right. status quo mm-hmm. or just they, they appear artistic, right? but they're not like they kind of like, there's nothing uh, uh, edgy about them. Right. They're still that, but they like kind of wear the costume because mm-hmm. I was just so fucking tired of those people and like listening to their shit all the time mm-hmm. that I'm in another place that is uncomfortable, but it became more comfortable to be around it. Once I was in that atmosphere, it became more comfortable to be in that mm-hmm. rather than going to like, uh, I don't know, Lee's palace or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot, a lot about the idea. It of, really shapes you. It it does shape you, I guess, creatively or 
just as a person in general to to get out of that rut yeah and to do shit that's terrifying right like mm-hmm. and to expose yourself to people who are on that side of the world mm-hmm. because like i say you know those are people with real lives who are doing real yeah. things and have real drama but i'm also pretty close to them mm-hmm. my only difference is that i have a family that loves me and will support me yep but i am not you know, like I can't hold a real job. Mm-hmm. I I can't have a real problem with, you know, authority and trying to trying to follow the rules here. It's tough right. for me. I'll do I'll do the best I can, but it's it's not comfortable for me. Is it a is it a, a cage type of thing? Like, yeah, do you feel definitely. too boxed in? Definitely, when you got a routine. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Uh, have you ever tried living out in the country at all? Like, is it a city? I've attempted. I've, at, I've attempted that. Yeah. No. Not for me. No. No. But I mean, I was I was really young when I attempted to do that too. Mm-hmm. So is there? Well, I I miss people. I miss my friends. I miss. Right. I miss just going to like a restaurant that opened up or like walking around aimlessly. When you when you have too much nature, you kind of there's too much silence. I don't think I'm that. I'm not a I'm We made the joke that I like to like, you know, uh, walking's terrible, but I'm not a sitting around guy yeah. either. Yeah. Like that's not for me. Having to sit you know, sitting on the stairs for like hours. I, I can't do that shit. On the stoop. No stoop. Neighborhood Nolan. Yeah. King of Park. None of that. I get very antsy. I'm just gonna get my uh, my show note out here because I think I, I think I had a prompt, but I forgot what it was. Uh, I don't know what a prompt is. It's just like if you were in art school, right? Some mm-hmm. people, when they're working on projects, they need a little bit more structure. Mm-hmm. It's hard staring at a blank page. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been interested in uh, analyzing like some of the things that happened to me that sparked an idea. Mm-hmm. And I find like over and over again, what tends to happen is like I'll see something that I find curious, mm-hmm. like that I don't understand or I'm interested in learning about, mm-hmm. and then it'll be fun for me to figure out a way to design a project around that thing. Mm -hmm. So by the end of it, I'll get an opportunity to kind of play with like CGI or Mm -hmm. play with like CNC cutters or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And what I dig about it is that I like that it's all front end weighted. You get like that, all that anxiety and weirdness, but you also get the exhilaration of, of not knowing where it's going. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as something becomes like too figured out, where I've got the battle plan down, it's immediately boring to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the reasons why I'm having such a hard time. You know, people keep on asking me, he's like, well, what's your podcast about? Yeah. He's like, right, you got to pick a theme, man. Yeah. You can't just, like, expect people to listen to something for three hours. They want all the facts, man. Mm-hmm. You got to say, we're going to do a podcast about... Uh, you know, cars in the city or right. uh, modern squeegees and yeah. each D you're going to get like the squeegee news. And then there's a segment about yeah. this and then there you cut to the, the commercial break and blah, blah, blah. All this, all of this uh, structure yeah. that comes from just habit. 
Like yeah. it's a it's a television thing. It's a television model. Yeah, it's like a up. shitty talk show or like a radio show or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fans they kind of like it too because you there's certain like media that you absorb mm-hmm. and you like it because it's familiar and television for the most part is an anesthetic device where people are coming home from a long day and they want to turn their brains off and they want to see John Stewart and mm-hmm. he's not particular, not that edgy, not that mm-hmm. funny, but mm-hmm. he shows up every day and I right. like seeing his face and he's like a friend coming into my house. Right. An old favorite. Yeah. That John Stewart. <laughs> Give him hell, old buddy. Um, and I'm not into that. Yeah. I want, and it's this kind of goes back to what I was saying about like how you know having crazy roommates is yeah. a, is a privilege sometimes. Oh yeah, like, yeah. There's a nice there's a value in unpredictability sometimes. Right. Where it's, it's nice to have people around you that'll surprise you, and it's nice to have. Do you have um, friends who tell you the same fucking thing every day, or like <laughs> they just tell you the exact same story? And you're like, yeah, man, I know. Yeah, you told that story already. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And you call them on it? Like, it's dementia, right? Yeah. yeah. Or is it just... The early stages just, of it. You you haven't done much. Or, like, you you shied away from that. When I was watching my great aunt... Where you can't pull... Slowly come apart. That yeah, was... Brown the, eyes. <laughs> Hello there. Can you put on the Jolson story? That's my favorite tape. Okay, great. Okay, auntie. You're going to watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. For Mm-hmm. And of course, you get worse yeah. because if you encourage that behavior, then they become even more demented because you're not using your brain anymore and yeah. it atrophies and turns to to jello. Um, but yeah, I think that the I think that there needs to be more like culture jamming. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the on a personal level, where we every day do still little little thing to put you off balance. Um, uh, Are we gonna Are we gonna jam after this? Yeah, just uh, just uh, riff for a minute while I read down my list. I uh, I had like um, sort of a thing I guess Andy Warhol used to do on a very small scale, but I was obsessed with. Um, I buy fucking shit all the time because it makes me happy <laughs> momentarily. Yeah. So I'll buy. I'll, I'll like I have a closet full of fucking clothes and shit that I can't wear. I don't even know some of the stuff I have. But I wanted this shirt, which was uh, in the wild one, and it's what Lee Marvin wore. And then it's what the early Hells Angels wore, which was like this yellow and black striped sweater. Yeah. And you'd wear it under like a motorcycle vest or something. So I was like, you can find that. This was like three years ago. I'm like, you can probably find this sweater somewhere uh at a, like a used like public butter or some shit but i could never find it mm-hmm. um i found on etsy this girl was making them with like the photo of lee marvin from that movie and she's knitting them but she's selling them for like 600 bucks i'm like whoa 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 that's way too much so my girlfriend uh she's wearing the sweater i'm like that's a beautiful sweater where'd you get that from and she's like well she's from brazil she's from sao paulo cool but her dad's side lives in uh, Bolivia. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, my aunt made this for me. And I go, can you make me this thing? 
because I've always like wanted it and I can't fucking find it. Yeah. And I described it to her and then I sent her a photo and she tells her dad this. Her dad goes to Bolivia. The, these old Bolivian women made it for me. Wow. And then he picked it up and he showed it to me and it's like, there it is. There's the fucking thing. And I had such a like, wow, I just made that. I just created that, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't do anything. Right. He sent a wish out into the universe and then all of a sudden pop. Yeah. came. And I guess that's kind of, that's, I guess what. And that stuff is so amazing. You'll probably have that shirt forever, forever. now. Yeah. Because it's got such a powerful story behind it. It's not just the piece of material crap that you got from H&M or whatever that was made by. So when slaves. people say like, I'm an ideas person, mm-hmm. but when you, they actually act on it, yeah. you're technically an artist, right? I think so. Good. Well, I, you know, I think that it's it's from, it's a legacy of the Industrial Revolution that people can't help but feel embarrassed when they take on um, the tag of, like, an athlete or artist or businessman mm-hmm. or whatever. Everybody gets to pick one. Kanye fucking revels in it, though. But it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. These are all aspects of being a human. Right. Kurt Vonnegut, my favorite line from him yeah. was that he was speaking at a commencement address and he gave everybody a homework assignment. He's like, okay, uh, go home and write a poem for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to say something honest. Try to make a statement about what you feel, how you feel about the world. Uh, write it carefully, uh, edit it, um, make it true, and try to do the best possible job that you can. And when you're done, crumble it up and throw it in the garbage mm-hmm. because artwork is not an occupation. It's something that you do as an exercise to make your soul grow. Right. And I feel like there needs to be more of that because we've already adopted the the passion for the amateur athlete where we right. admire people who run a marathon. You yeah, go like, yeah, yeah. that was fucking incredible. Yeah. That's something that's really hard to do and it's good for your body. And Or the amateur you YouTube video guy. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. that's It hasn't got as much... Like, I don't want to say prestige. I should just say, okay. like, you shouldn't even celebrate it. It should just be, like, part of being you a person. Yeah. This is what we're here for, is to make stuff and experience things. No, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. As far, with that. as far as, like, art goes. Yeah. It's because you want, you want to create something and you want to get some sort of award for it or some sort of... You want to be noticed for what you do, right? Yeah. But you shouldn't say you're, you know, shy away from something. Like just, you just do it. Mm. But I also think that that instinct that you're describing, where you want the reciprocation or the the um, the compensation mm-hmm. for uh, for an act, that comes from us growing up in a capitalist place, right? right? Because if you and I were just like living on an island and we, we were passing sh- the time, we just do we the make shit stuff, we like, and we. Yeah tell stories to entertain one another and things and we yeah. don't ex- expect you don't expect any um, monetary compensation other than it. like yeah, yeah, yeah. my friends were happy that's why yeah. I, I did it you yeah. know i went to the gym because it makes me feel good and i yeah it it yeah <laughs> so yes yeah. yeah i think uh my prompt uh for this week is uh i've been taking a lot of long bus trips lately where are you going uh, I've been working at a design studio. Okay. Uh, in, uh, it's up on Caledonia Road. And in the morning, I take the bus with the same, like, 40 people, like, mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. 
And the thing I've been kind of mindful about the last couple of weeks is like, I see these people every single day Mm -hmm. and nobody says one word to one another Mm -hmm. and I don't know anything about them Mm -hmm. and they don't know anything about me. Right. And you think about uh, yourself and all of the interesting like experiences that you've had. Right. And um, the point of view that you have and the mind that you have. Mm hmm. And you go like the person beside me doesn't know that they don't know me from anybody, right? I'm just right. some jerk off that's on the on the street. And if you were to take a poll, they'd probably say that I'm some dumb guy who probably has a job at I don't know Home Depot or something, and you know some asshole. Yeah, yeah. That Office we, guy. We think of everybody around us as some asshole. Yeah. And the more I I spend time like. Um, sitting down and and reflecting on it i don't know anybody that i have spent the time to get to know Mm -hmm. who's stupid who isn't talented who isn't um any of the things that you associate all of those stereotypes that you associate with the other are not true Mm -hmm. everybody around you is really smart and really talented and really interesting but we're shackled by a, a fear response that makes us limited and too afraid to do big stuff and uh, a lack of community that doesn't encourage us to do right. cool things. That shuts you down or mm-hmm. says that's stupid. I've always had that th- that um, that thought of it's like the road trip. Mm-hmm. If you're paired on a road trip with your polar opposite. Get a little closer there. Sorry, with your polar opposite, say like, I don't know, a black guy, a skinhead. Mm-hmm. And you have to drive somewhere. Yeah. You both have to go there. You could probably find something to talk about, about them that you like. Or that's of value, right? Mm-hmm. That's totally the right on. So I, I, I think my, for my prompt, I would just try to put yourself into that headspace where you're aware of the people around you and try to like kind of analyze them and imagine what their potential mm-hmm. kind of is. Mm-hmm. Because it's extraordinary like how much like bias that we all have and stereotypes and things that are probably not true. I think um, there's a lot from growing up too. Yeah. If you were told no, uh, or that thing you were doing was shameful, mm-hmm. so you can't do that anymore. So you don't have that uh, instinct to do that anymore because you know it. You still want to do it, but it's like Taboo. it's bad. Even if it's like you know you were singing as a kid. And your mom's telling you to shut up or right. something because you're annoying other people around you. That fucks you up. And that stops people from doing a lot of things, I think. Mm-hmm. And it never goes away. Like people no. who do stuff still have that voice. They just get better at ignoring it. Right. And yeah. So that's it. Mm-hmm. This, this idea grave has been fueled by, I don't know, lukewarm coffee from fucking Starbucks that I found in the fridge. Mm-hmm. A bit of the Canadian Club premium whiskey in the plastic bottle. Yeah, I'm on Tylenol 3 even though I don't need them. <laughs> Tylenol 3. Maybe my knee hurts. Fucking Oh, that's the next thing to go? Oh, man. It's going too hard these days. Surgery again, I guess. <laughs> I gotta get some fluid drained. I'm going to fucking pound another mango before I go to bed. Yeah, you got and, it. And uh, some dream cheese. I like it. Get that fucking tryptophan level up. Nolan, uh, thank you very much for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. Your uh, open invitation, if you ever want to get any more of your tirades off sure. the chest. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and if you uh i don't know it's you i've always found you to be like a very insightful person and i think that Thanks, other man. people will um it, appreciate or like uh value that you shared you don't have like so. a comment section do you no okay that's good. i'm anti-comments great totally totally worthless in the internet age because we were talking about 9-11 so there probably been a lot of inside job what? threads <laughs> what was oh uh loose change loose change 911 but i don't think we said anything that's that's uh, it's pretty down the line we didn't say anything yeah, that yeah, can yeah. be interpreted one way or the other i didn't want to get into it <laughs> i want to tell you what i've heard it's a crazy thing i, I don't think the internet could take it <laughs> We break the internet. We'll have a conspiracy episode. I should I should get you and Brennan Black together, and you can sure riff out. I mean, after the study, fucking <laughs> apparently Brendan Black's dad is is the high scholar of internet conspiracy theories. Okay. So it would be great to get a, do a dad special where we get <laughs> That'd the be dads good. in together. I, I work with a maintenance man who's a conspiracy theorist. He's an old. <laughs> Mexican guy, can I bring him and make him my dad? Definitely, it right. will be so many non sequiturs over and over again. Yeah, because you know what the conspiracy theory is. This is the way the conversations go down. There is a yeah, but what yeah. about this? Yeah, in between every nonsensical, non-related fact, and they just spit them back and forth at one another. I saw. But yeah, what about the Illuminati? But yeah, what I w- about the fucking lizard people? I watched a Dave Chappelle uh, interview on David Letterman that he did in February, and David, or sorry, Dave Chappelle's like jacked now. Yeah, he got muscles. And uh, yeah, they Letterman tries to like bring up why he left that show again. <laughs> and he's just, he's just like like I don't know, didn't you? He doesn't say this, but you can tell like he's like, didn't you watch all like the Inside the Actors Studio, the Oprah, like all this press I did? You don't know why. Did like, you research it? And then all the comments are just like, Chappelle's a clone. Can't believe he joined the Illuminati with fucking Jay-Z and Lady Gaga. And it just goes on forever. What do they mean by clone? They made a new body for him? No, like... Replaced him? They they switched him in Africa or something. (laughs) South Africa? Speaking of pod people... Yeah. If you haven't revisited Donald Sutherland's Invasion of the Body Snatchers... That I don't think I've ever seen it. Holds up. It is brilliant. Yeah, I need to check it out. Fucking Jeff, young Jeff Goldblum. Fucking people carrying around big pickles. I watched Shocker, Wes Craven's Shocker, the other day. Does <laughs> not hold up to anything. Is it about pushing your finger and and your fingers into bum holes and, and vaginas? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a couple. <laughs> it's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, but just remixed. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, go check out Shocker. What's your theme music, Nolan? What do you want to exit? Oh, um, do you have uh, Mashkinada by George Ben? Yes, I have access to anything on the internet. Okay, put that on. And I completely ignore copyright, so... Put that on. Whatever. And you have to do CanCon, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta, gotta play Can-Con Red Rider after that. <laughs> Is there any of uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive songs that your dad played on, like, post... Yeah, I think there's like, uh, I think that whole album he did is up on uh, YouTube. Rad. Mm-hmm. Check that way. out. <laughs> the other Randy. <laughs> right on. Okay, good night, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Jesse. Rip. Yay. Nice, man. You went the distance. You're in
How long are they supposed to be? Two hours. Good. We decal only made it an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> and she was like, these headphones are too hot. Ugh.